3: The bathurst twelve hours
0: on RS one. RS one. Part of the radio show limited network.
4: Good. Good morning, Bathurst. We are live from Mount Panorama, all eyes on New South Wales, Australia, from wherever you're watching, nice and early here in Australia, or whatever time it is, wherever you're watching around the world. The campers here at Mount Panorama are awaking for what will be a wild old day. This is the Repco Bathurst 12-hour, and the sun is still about an hour away, so we're going to be starting the race today in darkness. Whatever you had planned today, Cancel it. It's race day here at the mountain. Jack Perkins, Garth Tander. This is one of the special days at a very, very
5: special morning. Good day to you, Jack. Yeah, good morning. Good morning, all. It's a yeah, great start to the day here. It's dark, 12 hours of racing ahead. And how far can they go? Last year, they did 2,000 kilometres, oh. which is to Bathurst 1,000. So this is the ultimate insurance race. When we walked out of our door today, Garth, we walked into fog, but we get here and it's beautiful. It's strange because normally
0: when you come up to the racetrack just out of town here in Bathurst, the fog gets thicker. So we were a little bit worried that the conditions weren't going to be able to get racing under green at 5.45 this morning, but nice and clear up the top of the mountain. What? <laughs> You mentioned that it's dark for the first hour or so and it's the, one of the most spectacular hours of motorsport that we have here in Australia. Racing as the sun comes up here at Mount Panorama. I remember when I did the start of the race back in 2016, you're racing towards Skyline, you can see the sun coming up. It's hard not to get carried away with spe- how spectacular the vision is and not focus
4: on driving the race car, but it is a really, really special part of the day. Let's chat about that prely shootout yesterday here at Mount Panorama and with all the big names inside that top ten, Jack, it was Sheldon Vanderlinder who stood up in the W. BMW.
5: Yeah, absolutely. He did a fantastic job in that BMW to post what was the ultimately the quickest time in the session by nearly four-tenths of a second mm. over Brock Feeney, who qualified second last year, really stood up in that session. So we've got BMW and Mercedes on the front row, and on the second row of the grid, we've got another Mercedes and a Porsche, all marks represented there at the front. So it's going to be interesting to see how this first stint shapes up, and with the various drivers starting the cars, just what the strategy is in these tricky nighttime conditions that Garth touched on. It
4: was a shame that we lost a couple of cars in practice yesterday. It looks like those two cars have been scratched, the, uh, the, the Mark car and the k Tim, that went in at the Elbert. But the good news Guth, all the GT3 cars that have entered for the race have made it through to race day. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen that here before at the 12 hour.
0: Well even as you go back as far as Friday practice and all the cars, we got through Friday with no red flags in any of the practice sessions and sort of sat down on Friday evening going geez that ever happened here yeah. at the 12 hour because it can bite you. We know that Bathurst has massive consequences if it goes wrong but all, all the GT3 entrants are going to start this race which is fantastic news. It means that all the outright competitors are in the game and it's going to be an exciting race You mentioned strategy early. There's been a few strategies rule changes, and channel you'll get into that a little bit later, but uh, that makes it a very interesting race strategy-wise,
4: so I'm really curious as to who starts this race, because that makes a big difference with the pit windows much later in the day. Yeah, there are some serious stars in this field as well, and it's a very deep field, probably the deepest we've seen since about 2020, which was a win for Bentley that year. Guys, there's a genuine third of the field that could walk away with a big trophy today.
5: Yeah, there is, absolutely. It's wide open, and that's what's going to make it such a great race, and like Garth touched on, the strategy starts now. Who starts the race and they nominated that last night so that's a little bit of a cat and mouse if you like to see who you're racing against and that's really going to set up the rest of the day and I think the big thing will be keeping out of trouble. We talk about it quite a lot in endurance racing but especially in these nighttime conditions, you don't want to trip over someone, you don't want to get any damage to the car and you've got to make sure you're there for the full 12 hours. 12 hours of racing,
4: it's going to be like a crazy, crazy day that we always get here at Mount Panorama but the weather could play a big factor in that as well. There's storms forecast for later today, it's going to be hot. Shay Adam, we're going to see some pretty crazy stuff here at the mountain. I can see on the grid it's pretty crazy because there are people every Good morning to you.
6: Good morning to all of you guys up at the head of the grid. They're starting to clear things off now, and that's good news for our pole sitter because it means that there is clear track ahead for Sheldon Vandalinda. Yesterday you earned it one and done basically to go out there on the mountain, but now it's a completely different ball game. How have you slept last night and gotten yourself ready for this one?
3: Um, Yeah, first of all, good morning to everyone watching. Um, It's amazing to be in Bathurst for the first time doing my start. Um, First time doing the start, it's uh, something really special. I did the outlap earlier. Super dark on the mountain as well. No natural light from the outside. So it's going to be a tricky start for sure. I think it helps uh, having a clean sight ahead. But, yeah, obviously it's a long race, so we need to kind of keep it clean in the beginning and, uh, yeah, see how it ends up. But uh, I'm super excited to get my first start going and uh, try and keep these guys behind for the first hour at least.
6: Last year, you guys ran, same crew, same team, everybody's familiar with the car. It was one step off the podium. What did you learn from last year that you've thought about for 12 months coming back into the race today?
3: Yeah, last year, we were nowhere near the front uh, on the grid, unfortunately, so we made a big step forward on the car as well with BMW. Um, the team knows the car better since one year, so um, yeah, I think we're just way more comfortable as a team. We have, uh, we have the same lineup as well, so it's obviously, we know each other well, and that's important for the race here, just to get the chemistry going and make sure we don't do any mistakes.
6: Do you think it'll be easier for the start of this race with these BMW headlights having no one in front of you? You can turn on the high beams and start flashing the kangaroos to say, get out of the way.
3: Yeah, I have to say the lights are really good on this car. I was quite surprised. I had the the low beam on and put the high beam on, almost blinded myself just from it reflecting off the wall. So it's, uh, yeah, it works really well. And that's uh, obviously a good sign when you go into the dock.
6: Good luck today, Sheldon. I know that yesterday you were lucky. Today's when you need it.
3: Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Marcus Wingerhock, you've been
0: coming to the Bathurst 12-hour for many, many years. Just tell us how special this first hour of the race
5: is. Uh, it's quite special uh, because, you know, with the, we don't have the 24-hour like, the light, so the, the first 15 minutes are not that easy. Um, there's always the risk with the kangaroos and stuff like this, so it's like uh, it's quite a special one, definitely.
0: We've been teammates a lot of the times in the years gone past, and you usually start the race, so I came and found you, and you said, no, no, I'm not starting this year,
5: what is that? too old <laughs> no I, yeah as, as you said
7: I was starting many
5: times so uh, now it's uh, time for this young gun
0: <laughs> you got Ricardo fella starting the car he qualified so we'll jump over and talk to Ricardo. qualified first Audi on the grid this year Ricardo. second year here for the 12 hour tell us how this car is feeling
3: yeah it feels quite good um, now a small BOP adjustment so we should be hopefully in the game for yeah for this long race and I'm really looking forward to drive into the day now uh, it's always a cool experience I did the start already last year so I'm looking forward Uh, Yeah, tell us about the strategy. I mean, we get caught up thinking how exciting the first hour of the race is, but really it's about staying out of trouble. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we saw last year what happened with the factory Audi. It can go very quick. Um, But this year we are starting a bit, uh, yeah, better positions, so the risk is maybe a bit less. Good luck. Go well. Thank you. Mara
5: Engel starting out of grid three, starting to strap into the car here. How are you feeling ahead of this 12-hour race? Yeah, good. Obviously great to be here again, and uh, always a special time uh, starting this race, so early in the morning, in the dark, and uh, yeah, obviously we're hoping for a good day and and a strong run. Can you tell us how you prepare for these nighttime conditions? Anything interesting on the dash, or you just need to make sure the headlights are on? Yeah, I was going to say, mainly the lights. That's the main thing you want. Um, No, just get everything set up for the start of the race. Obviously nice uh, to have a few more minutes to do things calmly, and then uh, get ready for for action. And you're partnering with uh, David Reynolds, one of our local heroes. When's he going to jump in the car? you uh, will be, be in after me, and uh, obviously it's great to have Dave on board. He's, uh, he's such an amazing character and obviously one of the fastest uh, drivers around this place. All right, mate. Good luck. Thanks, mate.
4: What a sight that is, the grid here at Mount Panorama. A lot of these cars will be shared by three, sometimes even four drivers, and 28 cars will be ready to take the start of what will be a very long day at the mountain. What will this place throw our direction today as we race up towards 5.45pm local time today? And down here in the Pirelli Pit Bunker, we're going to be able to break down all the strategies and break you through all the rules that you need to be across the course of the day. And I'm just going to start with some of the the basic race facts here that we need to take care of. As we know, Mount Panorama is the venue. Last year, we got through 323 laps, exactly what Jack Perkins was talking about. 2000 kilometer mark and that was with a four and a half hour blast of green flag running to the end of the day. Something new for this year, we've got a full course yellow. If you watch a lot of Formula 1, it's very similar to the virtual safety car. That's never been seen here in Australia, so how will that change today? The fuel window, you usually get about 30 to 40 laps, but they're actually going to be limited to 32 lap runs. That came out yesterday uh, when they were talking about the balance of performance to keep it fair across the entire field of cars. I know this looks like an awful lot of numbers and facts, but what we're talking about here is driving time. So for the pros, they're allowed to do five hours and 40 minutes maximum. For the bronze drivers in a pro team, they've got to drive for three hours, which includes an hour in the second half of the day. But as we saw last year, the bronze-ranked drivers, like a Kenny who's racing in the pro class they don't actually have a minimum time so there's a different way that you might be able to break the strategy up we'll talk about that soon when we talk about fatigue you have to have a minimum one hour break in between your stints that there's no chance of uh, any incidents occurring through fatigue. And then, like we talked about, that full course yellow is here. Similar to a virtual safety car, when it's announced the teams will have 15 seconds to slow down on track and they'll be given a 15-second warning before going back to green flag. Could anyone score potentially a free pit stop as all that's happening? So let's just quickly chat about strategy before we go green today because there's a few different ways you can break it down here. And I want to go back to 2020 when the Bentley M Sport guys got the win here with Jules Gounon late in the day and that was a really nice way of doing it. 10 stints, 9 pit stops, they shared evenly the driver time across the course of the day. Importantly, they kept Gunon fresh for a double stint towards the end there, and they were doing 28 laps and 30 laps. That would fit nicely in what we're trying to do today. But the different way of cutting it last year that Kenny Habul and the Sun Energy team used to win that race was something completely different that we'd never seen here before and it involved Kenny just doing this one stint very early in the day which cleared him out for the rest of the day at that point so then Lucas Stolls who's the red driver and then Jules Gunon who's in white here were able to share the car for the rest of the day and on and on they went until look at that 32 laps, 32 laps at the end there I'm expecting something very similar for your best drivers to be double stinting towards the end of the race so are we going to see a similar strategy to that? Well, this year, we've got three teams who are trying what we call the loophole strategy where essentially a bronze-ranked driver could win this race outright. We're seeing that with Brad Schumacher in the Audi and Liam Talbot's going to try something there as well. The real key to making this strategy work though is you've got to get this part of the day right. If you can hide that driver potentially in a a part of the race where there's a safety car, if you can avoid going a lap down in the early part of the race, that could be the race-winning strategy right there for the drivers who are trying something a little bit different. We'll be able to track all of this live throughout the day. It's what makes this race so exciting. But before we go green here today, it's time for the Australian National Anthem with the Australian Army Band.
8: Beautifully done by the Australian Army Band. What a terrific way to start the morning here at Mount Panorama as we count down to the 21st running of a 12-hour endurance race at this incredible place just inland from Sydney in the great state of New South Wales. 29 cars sit on the grid with a talent-packed roster of local and international superstars and a race that... We go into feeling like we have absolutely no idea how this is going to play out. Richard Crowell, John Hindoff and Garth Tander with you in the commentary box for the next 12 hours and a little bit. And this is where we're playing today. We're about 180 kilometres inland from the capital of New South Wales over the beautiful Blue Mountains and to what used to be called the Bald Hills just outside the town of Bathurst. And this is the Mount Panorama Circuit. 6.213 kilometres, 174 metres from the lowest point right down where we are on pit straight to the top at Brock's Skyline. 23 corners, all of them providing some form of unique challenge that you don't get anywhere else in the world. A good lap somewhere. Just over two minutes in pole position yesterday was set by 24-year-old South African Sheldon van der Linde. BMW on pole for the second time in the GT3 era in Bathurst's 12-hour history. The first South African to get a pole at Mount Panorama as well. Um, Sheldon will start the race alongside Mick Grenier in the National Storage Racing 888 car. 29 cars should take the starter this morning. John Hindoff, good morning to you. Just on 15 degrees at Mount Panorama, so it is a cool morning for what should be a
1: hot race. And that's the perfect perfect description, Crailsey, for this race. I've been coming since 2013, and this is my 10th race and a, a lot of things have changed the depth of the field, the quality of the entries the, the amount of people that are here, it's much more, it's absolutely packed, I'll be surprised if it isn't a record crowd, what hasn't changed is the track, the character the face of the race is Mount Panorama and that feeling of doing the first lap when you get here on Monday or Tuesday in your hire car, at at or under the 60 kilometer an hour limit when it's still a public road and that tingle that you head out that feeling when you head out up mountain straight and you just get a tingle and that's not just me saying that that's the drivers whether they're the first timers or they've been here many times there's a personality and an atmosphere to this race that is unbridled and absolutely unrivaled anywhere in the world and that's including some of my favorite places to go like the Nürburgring Nordschleife and the Le Mans 24 hours and we've just come back from the Rolex Daytona 24 but everyone is on edge right now and we always say it Mount Panorama and the mountain delivers And now we've got to find out who it's going to deliver to the top step of the podium in just on 12 hours time. Garth Tander, you've done this before. You've
8: taken the start of this race. This first hour, it's one of the most special hours of motorsport for a spectator. Great for TV. What's it like behind the wheel of a V10 Audi R8? Well, you start this race and you're always thinking, all right, 12
0: hours, we've uh, We've just got to play ourselves in carefully. We've just got to get the car warm, bring the tyres up, get the brakes up, uh, and then we'll just wait for the sun to come up and we'll get cracking. And you think all that and you say all that and then you roll up Mountain Straight as the driver's doing for the very first time and you, that goes completely out the back of your mind and as I'm getting to the front as soon as possible. <laughs> so um, it is incredibly tricky. Don't let our camera... I mean, we can see there at the Audi cut. Car- just how dark it is. Our cameras actually do a very good job of lighting, making it look lighter than it actually is. And I can tell you, it is pitch black out there, even to the point where, as I was driving in this morning with Chad and Nolan we were looking for the moon to see if there was a moon actually up, because it felt <laughs> so dark, and when you're driving the race car, particularly across the top of the mountain here, as you enter Reed Park, exit from the great, and up to McPhillamy, it's really hard to pick your marks, it's really hard to see exactly where those walls are, and then as you drop down here, down out towards the great, to know where to position the
8: car so it's a very challenging 45 minutes of the race just on 14 degrees, just a little bit more at the moment. It's going to be quite humid today. Top of 29 degrees forecast in this region, but as Chad touched on at the start, there is a forecast of some thunderstorms. It's been quite a strange week weather-wise here in the central tablelands of New South Wales, and lots of storms have been sweeping over. For the last four days, they've either gone to the north or the south of the circuit itself, and they've missed us completely, but who knows how this is going to play out I can't today? I believe you've no, just said that. It'll be
1: fine. Don't it's worry. about a half moon. It's a waxing gibbous moon today. So it's about a half moon. But <laughs> it took the morning off this morning. Yeah. It <laughs> yeah, yeah. was so dark. <laughs> Sitting down next to the telly to watch the race <laughs> for the next 12, next 12 hours. We should
8: confirm the race has officially started. And you heard the voice of James Taylor. He's the race director upstairs from us in Motorsport Australia Race Control. And it's slightly different procedure to what we might usually see because he confirmed that the race has started behind a safety car. Rather than just having a formation lap and then the green flag, they've actually commenced the race behind the safety car, which basically gives them the tools to run it for as long as they'd like. And the word we're getting from upstairs is that they're going to run two laps, which is consistent with what they've done here for the last two years. Give them two laps to get heat into brakes and especially tyres we talk about the tyre warm-up task that are these GT3 cars, that it takes some time to get temperature in. So they're going to give them every opportunity to get temperature into tyres before they let them
1: loose. Uh, and, Garth, you were saying, in going into qualifying, it was taking one and a half, maybe two laps at prep speeds for qualifying. Now, at 80 k's behind the a BMW XM safety car, you can do some prep, but you're still not going to be as if you were check it off on a on a hot lap.
0: Oh, That's correct, and obviously no sunlight at the moment, so no track temperature relative to what we've had in practice and qualifying, so that also slows the tyre warm-up procedure, so from memory last year, we were seeing it was like six, seven, eight laps for the tyre to actually come up to pressure, because also remember you're now pressuring the tyre to do 32-lap stint, you're not pressuring the tyre to do a three or four-lap qualifying run, so you run a lot lower starting tyre pressure And then the tyre takes longer to come up because there's less pressure to build in the tyre. So this two warm-up laps is almost the hardest you'll work throughout the 12 hours because you are swinging on that wheel. You're using a huge amount of brake pressure to get temperature into the brakes and let that radiant heat from the brake rotor go out into the rim that then makes its way into the carcass of the tyre. So you have to work so, so hard here to make sure you have tyre temperature for when we go green at the end of these first two laps.
1: Is it more efficient to do it that way and drag the brakes or the swerve left and right? We see a bit of both going on. Yeah, a lot of both. And and with a car with ABS, you
0: can do a lot of both at the same time. So you're actually putting load into the sidewall of the tyre. So when you're weaving left and right, you're putting load into the sidewaller and effectively trying to distort the sidewall and get the rubber to move left and right from the contact patch from the inside of the rim. And then obviously from the brake rotor, you're trying to get that heat and you're trying to get the heat come out of the brake rotor into the aluminium rim, which then goes into the carcass of the tyre. And that's the important thing, getting into the carcass of the tyre, the core of the tyre, not so much the surface.
8: Confirmation the safety car will be in this lap. So let's have a look at this race, shall we? You saw in the Pirelli pit bunker before the start with Chad Nalon last year, this was the quickest endurance race, the fastest race run in the history of all endurance racing at Mount Panorama. 323 laps, just over 2,006 kilometres were both records and the race run at 167 kilometres an hour, average over 12 hours it was a brutally quick motor race and there's no reason to expect why this year with an increase in the depth of competition won't be the same. There's Morrow Engel, desperate to add a Bathurst victory yesterday. He said in the press conference last night, having qualified third, said maybe that's the change. I've been on pole twice here before. You don't need to be on pole to win this race. Perhaps that is what gives me the opportunity, what opens the door for him to grab A back this victory. Thomas Randall will start car triple two, the Scott Taylor Motorsport, the all Aussie adventures outfit from that Aussie team with Craig Lowndes and Cameron Waters. But this is a world-class field. 94 drivers in 29 cars. There are eight former winners of this race for 13 12-hour victories. There are more than 350 supercars championship race wins on this grid. There are eight winners of the Nürburgring 24-hour eight winners of the spa 24 hour four intercontinental gt challenge champions including the last three in a row and some of the world's best most talented racing car drivers this is as good a field as we've seen here i cannot wait to see how the next 11 and a bit hours plays out i say
1: 11 and a bit because it it just makes the task seem a little bit less daunting (laughs) than 12 So coming down, Conrod and the safety car come in, that BMW XM. Only the second time that BMW M has built uh, an entire car. And if you're as old as I am, you will remember the complete... Uh, You'll remember the brilliant M1 and the Pro Car Championship, and you still see one or two of those. On the road, well, the XM is number two from BMW M Sport, and that has been leading the field round. No weaving allowed, and it's a restart from the back of a safety car, so it'll be line astern. So, good news for Sheldon von der Linde at the front of the field in that number 32 BMW M4 GT3 oh little bit of weaving he's put the hammer down coming down to the final corner at murray's and he's got a decent gap here he'll see the green flag as he comes through and that's a super start for the pool sitter as he goes through mick grenier caught a little bit napping there and it's what 8 10 as they head up mountain straight for the first time so we're green
8: finally on mount panorama with 11 hours and 49 minutes to go Sheldon van der Linde starting the BMW. Mick Grenier starting the National Storage Racing Mercedes AMG. Mauro Engel is behind the wheel of car 130. Laurent Vantor, the Belgian, back in car 912. Lucas Stolls starting car 75. The defending champions two times over. First of the Audis is Ricardo Feller and Kelvin van der Linde.
1: And until those tyre temperatures get up, Garth Tander, they're going to have to be really careful it's pretty much right across the top because that affects ride height as well as grip yeah you
0: can hear the cars bottoming as they made their way into the cutting and they'll bottom even more now as they make their way across the top of the mountain van der Linde with just over a second lead over grenier and it was a great start restart or start however you want to call it for van der Linde. and the reason you want to get up the road a little bit is because you don't want those headlights flashing in the rear vision mirror and annoying you for this first run across the top of the mountain you can just focus on those tire pressures see what sort of car balance you have see where you have gone with your tire prep so you know how much grip you have and uh, focus on making your way across the top of the mountain nicely this first time of what will be many, many tours
8: around Mount Panorama. The other thing with the start of this race is that this first hour, as challenging as the conditions can be from a visibility standpoint, it's often the best conditions the cars are going to get to produce some performance.
1: Short bits and espresso shot that. Good morning, Bathurst. Here is your alarm call from the Pirelli Speed Camp. Uh, The sights and sounds of the 2024 Repco Bathurst 12 hours getting underway. I I don't dislike actually a single file start. It's a little less exciting down in the Hell Corner the, the first time, Garth, but it gives all the drivers a chance just to. If you like to play themselves in, I think that's the first overtake we've seen at Turn 1 held corner, and it's come effectively on the second green flag lap. Yeah,
0: and I'm with you, John. I like the the single-file start because it can get hairy, the run down into Turn 1 on that first lap, and also the run up Mountain Straight into Turn 2. So as they continue to sort themselves out at the end of Turn 2, I think that's Jamie Winkup in the 88 AMG Mercedes battling it out with Harry King and Maxi Goetz.
8: He called himself a retiree yesterday. Yeah, he I did, think, didn't he? Jamie Wincup? Semi retired. Semi retired. <laughs> Having just punched out a low 203 to go right near the top of a practice session Saturday afternoon. That's the Johor Motor Racing Triple 8 number 88 car. Off the back of a great deal of success in recent weeks in the Asian Le Mans series. Prince Jeffrey Ibrahim and young West Aussie guy Jordan Love will drive that car.
1: And that. Oh, oh. touch! Now, that was the WM Waste GT4 car, wasn't yeah. it? The Artura getting a little bit of hip and shoulder there early on. Chaz Mostard
8: started that yes. car this morning, yes. so fair amount of experience there in the local search IRC GT car. That was the car that had big damage yesterday. They've done a huge amount of work, bolted in a new rear end, and that car back on track, and contact nice and early. So 15 minutes in. Sheldon van der Linde by 1.2 seconds
1: early on well oh, this is a nice sensible pace to be going to start with just to, to put it into context what Garth and Creelty were talking about about how chilly it is uh, the best lap time we've seen is a 210 now granted the line astern and they're full of fuel But we saw people coming out for one-hour sessions earlier on in the week, Garth, and and getting straight down into the fives and fours, second or third lap out. So that's how tricky it is out here at the moment. Yeah, you can see the tyres coming
0: in now, second actual push lap of the race. The first flyer, Sheldon van der Linde, was the fastest with a 10.1. The second lap, it was Mikael Grinier who was fastest with a 2.06.9, so some three seconds faster on the second lap. Oh, there goes the... 46 BMW M4 around the outside of Maxim Martin. So, we've spoken about the BMW all through practice and qualifying in the lead up to this race, just how fast the car is in the first sector. I think we got a bit of a window as to why the car is so fast in the first sector, rounding up. Kelvin van der Linde in the number 22 Audi around the outside in the braking zone into turn two. It's a very Craig Lowndes-esque move that we've seen
8: here in the past. <laughs> 1994 was a long time ago, Garth. Um, Yeah, that's an interesting thing. The BMW is going really well. And, of course, they're the only car with forced induction, with turbocharging in the GT3 field here this year in these cool conditions. Now they say it's always darkest before the dawn. It's actually half a degree cooler now than it was when the race started. So the temperature's just about to bottom out and then start rising as we get one of the AMGs. That's the STM car of Thomas Randall shortcutting at Brock Skyline. The, the best change they've ever done to this racetrack yes. was put that <laughs> tarmac <laughs> yes. apron there on the runoff. It used to be a gravel trap, and it used to be Carnage Central. So he got away with one there, Thomas, that car running in 12th position. I was just missed the
1: shootout yesterday. I was just about to say...
8: David Russell behind the wheel of the Mercedes-AMG. It's a breach of safety car protocol. There's a couple of elements that could be. It could be weaving once the lights were out. But we are being told by Motorsport Australia Race Control, it's actually overtaking before the control line. Mm. So you are not allowed to pass another car before you get to the control line, which is right there under the Repco Bridge. And Davey was quite a way back down the field in amongst some invitational and GT4 cars. So I wonder if... He might have just been getting past a slower vehicle at the start
1: there and just slightly misjudged it. The first vestiges of that almost Etruscan orange sky just beginning to break through. Oh, this is the coolest era of motorsport again. Just it's fantastic. Just Mother nature must be a more racing fan when you see gulf blue and gold. Uh, an orange in the sky at the start of a motor race absolutely gorgeous and this is why we've got such a big crowd here and so many of you watching all around the world the first 45 minutes or so of this race stunning
8: stunning view for Marrow Engel in a couple of laps it'll be blinding light as the sun pops up over the Blue Mountains. Sunrise about 30 minutes from now. This spectacular opening hour of the Repco Bathurst 12-hour. Sheldon van der Linde, South African, leads the race. 1.2 seconds. Lap times continuing to tumble. Grenier is running second. Mara Engel third. So BMW, Mercedes, Mercedes. And then the first of the Porsches is Laurent Vantor in the number 912. And that's the view down Conrad Strait. That's such a good shot. Oh, wow. The Sunday morning commute into downtown <laughs> Bathurst,
1: moving a little quicker than normal today as they make their way down into the chase. So, Garth, were you a tinted visor guy for the early start or just no. a?
0: I was a tinted visor guy for the start because I'd have the visor up in the dark and then as soon as the sun broke, visor straight yeah. back down so that you didn't get exactly what Rich spoke about, the sun in your eye as you... Uh, Make your way across Skyline
1: down into the Dipper. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely Batmobile from the back end of Ch- 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 Chaz Mostert. Moster, yeah, McLaren Artura GT4, so
8: Turbocharged V6, and David Russell into pit lane. So missed it. He's got a drive through penalty to serve for overlapping or overtaking prior to the control line following what was effectively the race start when they went to green following two laps of safety car. That will count towards the safety car tally for the day. We'll keep track of that for you. Meanwhile, a little bit of shuffling going on, a little bit further down the order. So having Boulder wide at the top at Rock Skyline, Thomas Randall recovers the spot and sneaks up the inside of the Hallmark Property Group car from Team MPC down at Murray's Corner. Nice pass. West Aussie, Dean Fiore driving the number nine Audi. And then Kelvin van in the 22. Rare you see Kelvin being passed at Mount Panorama. One passed and two out braked.
0: So uh, Maxime Martin didn't quite get the lap out of the BMW he wanted in the Pirelli shootout yesterday. He's making up for that now. Up a couple of spots from ninth to seventh for that car. Here's another view on board the 46 BMW M4. Uses the toe nicely, switches out, and ultimately... Kelvin didn't fight this one too hard. He certainly knows there's a long way to go in this race and probably also knows that these are probably the best conditions for the BMW yeah. horsepower-wise as well. So keep uh, keep your uh, powder dry for a fight later in the day when it really matters.
8: And the BMWs did struggle, John, last year when it got hot in the middle of the day. This car, the leading car right now, already oh, getting thanks. to traffic oh. and it was so close as they go past Ridges Mount Panorama that's one of the risks that is going to be part of today's motor race is that traffic and we've seen it throughout six practice sessions and even qualifying that with just six more cars than last year's race, traffic has played such a bigger role in trying to get a clean
1: lap. So it is going to be a big part of today's negotiating the class cars. Not that you could see it there, but that was the bright orange Vortex 1.0 with Lionel Amarage behind the wheel and went offline quite significantly at this time of the race not too much penalty for that but you're told in the driver's briefing if you can just stay on your racing line and i've said that there is quite a bit of debris surprisingly on the outside running up towards the tree and up towards the top of the mountain yeah that's right that is certainly
0: something that you do have to be well aware of as this race progresses the marbles the rubber debris the tire debris that just gets discarded to the outside of the racetrack and That continues to build as the race goes on. So should you find yourself out wide letting the faster cars through, it can take up to three laps to clean the tyre up again. And if you're consistently forced offline, you may never clean the tyre up again. And that becomes an issue for the slower cars because then they continue to lose more performance. It's like a snowball. It gets worse and worse. The more you try and be more and more polite. Could feel like a puncture, can't it? And the the car shakes so hard. So you often feel like there's something failing in the car, but ultimately it's just pick-up, what we call pick-up. Talking about pick-up, the speed's starting to pick-up at yeah. the front of the field, just looked at the sector times, and Michel Granier, a 50.9 in the first sector, starting to get down to some pretty saucy lap times. 32.2 across the top for Marrow Engel. So the two AMG Mercedes in second and third starting to come to life.
8: Just a reminder of the classes and the categorisation. This being a class race, so you can tell who's where with the colour on the timing totem on your left of screen. Green is the Pro-Am battle. Boys watches. Silver class with the blue. Invitational class, the pink. That's going to be a really cool race. There's some proper talent there. It's being led by Tim Slade. Nick Perk had it in there. And Young Gun, Rylan Gray, squeezed in between two of his supercars heroes. And then the GT4 class being led by Chaz Mostert in that McLaren. Chaz handed the reins over to his younger co-drivers. Job to qualify the car, but he got the job of starting this morning. And there is Valentino Rossi celebrated a birthday on Friday. It was Matt Campbell's birthday yesterday. He snuck that, that one flew through under the, the radar. Yeah. So he had a pretty good day in the Manti Porsche. Former winner here. Valet has done a super job this weekend. The lines for the autograph session and the public appearances have just been ridiculous all weekend, as they were when he first arrived last year. And his co-driver, Maxime Martin, one of the most experienced GT and endurance racers around the world, has the task of starting car 46, and he's already up one spot to seventh. Sheldon van der Linde continues to lead. I'm interested to see where race pace settles in GT at the early stage of this race, and last year they ratcheted it up really, really quickly, and we're we're doing threes and twos within that first hour. I'm keen to see where they sit, especially with the different pit stop rules that Chad touched on at the start, where there's now a timed pit stop to put fuel in the car, and what we think that's going to do is take some of the need to save fuel out of the equation, that you'll be able to run the car flat out for a stint more often this year, perhaps, than last year. So,
1: keep a lap time check on it for you just to see where they settle into you were talking about Max Martin uh, uh, he he was up to 6 so Ricardo Fellas got back past him there on that last lap and he was one of the cars in that 46 who was uh, was moving forward so he's back in front of Kelvin von and Vonderlinde again now in the uh, number 22 a nice spread of makes BMW, Mercedes, Mercedes, Porsche Mercedes, Audi, BMW, Audi, Porsche and Mercedes for the top 10 See that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a Lamborghini fan, David
8: Wall's in 17th in the Wall Racing Huracan GT3 Evo. Brand new car. They've had a really solid weekend and dramas uh, for the 19 Racing Genetta G55 GT4.
1: Already, it's hizzy behind the wheel of this car, young English driver. Oh, uh, and hizzy, yeah. Great, mm. great, great opportunity for this young man. He impressed mightily in the uh, Dubai 24 hours a couple of weeks ago. And that is not good news at all. Well, well, slow down. V6 engine, I think, has expired. There's something... It's like a brake. Right rear brake. Yeah, at the back of the car. So it's either exhaust or brake
0: that they were a little bit worried about as they pushed the car into the lane. So
1: got the driver out, which is a smart move. He's done well to get it back to the pits. So we stay green as we are in the early running here at Mount Panorama.
8: And the beauty of this race is that you can recover from something like that and get the car repaired if possible and get it back onto the racetrack. So it doesn't necessarily mean game over. It was quite a late addition to the grid this year just to bolster the... GT4 field. A couple of internationals linking up with Paul Buccini, who's a very experienced production car racer. Those there's little Jeanette a venerable part of GT4 racing, the race within a race. And this is a race flat out. In the back half of the top ten through the kink, sparks flying, and the lap times continue to tumble. The pace continues to increase. So... They've already got the rear bar off this car, punching in beneath, and a fire in there somewhere. Yeah, I think maybe a bit of exhaust on bodywork or yeah. something
0: like that at the rear of the car. You can certainly see where the exhaust, yeah, that's where they're blowing that fire extinguisher. So potentially the exhaust rubbing against the floor, the diffuser, Yeah. and uh,
1: just uh, potentially getting a little warmer than what they would like. Colin White, one of the drivers, knows probably more about Janettas than anyone other than the company themselves and it is not averse in enduring races to picking up the tools he'll have been on the bacon buddy this morning That's his, uh, pre-race snack of choice and uh, he'll know exactly what's going on there, he is the master of MacGyvering is <laughs> Colin and a never say die attitude from him, if the team need any motivation uh, he'll be providing it for them time to grip up going
0: up the mountain Garth, isn't it yeah it certainly is and richard crowe was talking about lap times last year versus what we're seeing at the moment last year the fastest lap of the race was kelvin van der Linde. he did that on lap 169 of 322 laps for that car so you'd say in the middle part of the day uh, and then other cars did low twos on lap 13 and 14 so we're starting to close in on that territory now. So far, fast slap of the race of 204.39 for Lucas Stoltz aboard the number 75 Sun Energy 1 AMG Mercedes, the defending champion, sharing that car with Jules Ganon and Kenny Habul. So that's one to keep an eye on, currently circulating in fifth spot.
8: Actually, Merckx and Lawrence Vantor have just come back to Sheldon van der Linde as well. In fact, almost everyone's come back to Sheldon because... Out of the elbow, three and a half seconds covering the top eight cars. So there's now something of a freight train from the leader all the way back to the bottom half of the top ten, down to Harry King in ninth position, the second of the Manti EMA Porsches. So there's the BMW. Mick Grenier, young Canadian driver who made his debut here last year for Mercedes-AMG team, Group of Airmen, to stand on the Bathurst podium. Done some racing with Triple Eight in Asian Le Mans and some of the endurance racing they've been doing in the Asian GT Championship. Will Brown watching on. Looks like he's going to be next in line to take over from the Canadian in Car Triple Eight. Smiles down at National Storage Racing. A little nap early in the program. You're going to get to sleep in early on Sunday here because it becomes a very big day at the office with not many opportunities for a break as
5: we roll into the second half an hour of the Repco Bathurst 12 Hour. I thought I'd come down and see my mate Will Brown. You're getting ready to jump in on a scale of 1 to 10. How happy were you didn't have to start today's race, mate? Yeah, I was at 11 about that. I was pretty happy.
9: It's not as bad as it was in 2022 when me and you raced together, but uh, it's always a bit scary starting in the dark around here, but Mick's doing an awesome job. Uh, and Yeah, just keeping that second place right now. Yeah, you're in good stead, and and, uh, all reports are the car's handling quite well. Have you heard heard much from Nick in the car at the minute? Yeah, no, I think he's pretty happy with the car right now. It's obviously pretty early in the morning, so the times are pretty fast. But, uh, no, I think overall we've got a good car today, good
5: team, so we just got to keep it clean and see how we end up. And let's have a look what's in your hands here. You've got a little dicky seat. Is this what you put in to make sure you're nice and comfortable in this Mercedes?
9: Yeah, that's right. I'm not very big, so I need to boost myself up. It's a little booster seat. So, uh, yeah, chuck that in, and then I'll be right to get up on the wheel.
5: Go well, mate. We're looking forward to watching you out there, right? Cheers. Thank you
6: down in, in the genetic garage with Owen Hizzy. And, Owen, they're actually backing up a new car. Uh, how much bodywork can they pilfer off this one to put on your car?
3: It's exactly the same car, so uh, everything in that car can go into this car, so... Um So, yeah, so that's all what we're doing, taking spares away from that one to put onto this one. Um, It was unfortunate that uh, dry shaft let go, after the straight, back straight, Um, and then, unfortunately, it had caught fire. So, um, not the best start, but rather it go at the start than the end.
6: And you got the right crew guys working to try and fix the car should be able to get it back out
3: oh yeah we should easily be able to get that back out um it's a, it's, it's just one of those things that we just can't control um but having the team at the car and everything it shouldn't take too long
6: thanks for the chat thank you oh
1: what an absolute disaster it's been running fine all week and then pulled the drive shaft out wonder if you maybe just ran across the back of a curve or something and it's rattled it out but, uh, it can happen happened to me when I drove one of those lost the, lost the right drive shaft at the rear should have remembered that you can whip down now, give him a hand to fix it then, John no, that is not a very long time since I picked up spanners and uh, it goes back to my early days of driving when we all had to keep our cars on the road ourselves if that was a Hillman Avenger, I could whip the gearbox out and change the clutch for them, no problem at all that was my speciality
0: our leaders now starting to make their way through the GT4 competitors. Chaz Mostert, new experience for him. He's usually the one doing the lapping, not being lapped. So Chaz currently leading GT4. So trying to get out of the way but not go too far out of the way because he'll be well aware of what we were talking about earlier with the build-up or the pick-up on your tyre and how that can affect your performance. So Chaz. Staying full right as the BMW comes by. There'll be an Audi come on by very shortly. There he goes, Kelvin van der Linde. Those two duked it out for pole here a couple of years ago.
8: So, And that McLaren is not a slow race car. They can do two 14s at this place, but it shows you just the level of performance these GT3 cars have got. It's really spicy at the front now. This massive freight train of cars all the way down to Harry King in ninth position, locked together, five seconds covering the top ten. That's Jamie Jeremy Winkup. Winkup Get him back, Chaz. Get him back. There you go. <laughs> oh, he'll love it. Yeah, that's right. Chaz.
2: will be loving He has man. got no chance,
8: <laughs> but shows the nose. Winkup's got problems of his own because he's got Maxi Goats in the Caltex Craft Bamboo car just behind him as they power up the hill. But that little bit of lap traffic, A, so 12 laps, and they're into the front of the GT4 cars. And this was particularly wild with Vantor getting up the inside of the Mercedes AMG. That's Adam Cristadolo behind the wheel. Hugely experienced Mercedes guy, but it shows you how challenging it can be when you get into these cars at the top of the hill or there at the kink on the run-up to the Audi Sport Cutting. And Sheldon Vanderland is the pioneer at the moment, trying to squeeze his way through traffic and keep an eye on Mick Grenier, who's tucked up behind the Shell BMW. Paulina Lamarouche
1: again in the vortex there was right round the outside of the Audi Cutting almost riding the wall just proving how you've got to be right on the game and keep the concentration going It's, I think probably the GT4s uh, is uh, is going to be the one of the hardest uh, cars to drive here because of the fact that they are quicker than uh, some of the cars but they still have the GT3s going past them so they're going to have to have the their uh, eyes in the back of their head for am not sure what that was, just drifting across the top of the but mountain, bubbles, guys. Bubbles no. not like Camp smoke, yeah. all other
8: kinds of things seen, I've seen at the top of ma- the of Things at
1: the top of the mountains
8: Bubbles, bubbles. Not, not one of <laughs> them Best Time United fun, obviously There was I I don't think you could get to this point and add something new to the, I can't believe it happened at Bathurst book but there you go. Bubbles at uh, 6 minutes uh, 6.18 and 40 seconds on a Sunday morning That's
1: We'll be asking questions uh. later <laughs> This
8: battle is really cool, and we've seen this the last couple of years where they all get into a rhythm early, but they're lockstep with each other in this battle for the lead and indeed in the top ten. And these races, the last couple of years, it becomes, as it gets hotter, quite difficult to overtake. And we were talking on lap three about the marbles offline, and this is something of a track position race. You want to be the leading car. The further up the grid you can get early, the better it is for you to play your strategy out over the course of the race. That's why they're so intent on fighting for uh, track position nice and early on. Good morning. It's not a visage most people like to see, is it right. Right. Uh, Oh, Hang on a second. We've got a,
1: we appear oh, to have thank a you very much. delivery. That looks like a, that's a John. That's a John. <laughs> thank you. Excellent. There'll be a Garth here. Very a, nice. This is the most very important part cafe. of the race.
8: Yeah. Uh, outstanding. Thank Cheers. you very much. Thank you. Appreciate That
1: is just life-saving. <laughs> at this time of the morning. It was one of the best announcements that we could have had that McCafe is, uh, is back just over the other side of the track. us, oh, Cheers. Good health. That's the only Cheers. way we
0: got you back for the race this year, wasn't it? Make, make sure the- we had coffee before
8: 6.30. <laughs> one of the great partnership announcements that's been made, I think, <laughs> is the supply of commentary coffee. Thank you to McCafe. That is outstanding job. While we tuck into these, let's pop down and say good day to Jack, who I don't think has coffee yet.
5: Now you're right, Richard. Feel free to send the coffees down to pit lane. But I've actually been watching down here at the inside of turn one, and I'll be keen to get some feedback from Garth Tander on this. I've been watching the brake rotor glow, and typically when we come on camera there's no cars coming past but the front engine cars, the Mercedes a lot of front glow versus rear so we know you can adjust the brake bias in these cars from the front axle to the back axle in terms of when you apply the brake how it works front and rear the rear engine car, the Porsche a lot of rear glow versus front glow so interesting to see how the brake temperatures are working in these conditions and whilst it's not quite daylight yet we will get to see a little bit more brake glow and it's a really cool sight here into turn one See if we can keep the camera rolling here because I believe Sheldon van der Linde coming through the last corner now and you'll be able to see exactly what I'm talking about because the Mercedes has a very uh, front-weighted bias and the, the BMW, at the lead, front and rear gro- glow very, very even. It's very interesting to, to watch that down here in turn one. It's a good point you make, Jack. With the, uh, this time
0: of the day is really the only chance we get to have a good look at things like that, with the brake rotors glowing. And you mentioned weight distribution, and that's got a lot to do with it, hasn't it? Obviously the BMW and Mercedes front-engined, so a lot of the brake energy working on the front axle, whereas the Audi are mid-engined, and the Porsche, with the traditional rear engine, because there's a lot more weight over the rear axle, you can have a lot more brake performance to the rear of the car as well. So that's why you'll see the rears glowing more on those mid and rear-engined cars. We speak a lot about the glow ratio, which is effectively a visual way of checking the temperatures front to rear. And uh, this 45 minutes to an hour is really the only time in Australian motorsport where we can check that out other than doing testing at night time. So a good pick-up from Jack there. Just one of the many unique things about GT3 racing. It's funny, though, the traffic sort of came in waves, didn't it? Mm? We got the GT4 cars, we're done and dusted with them, and now... We're trying to chase down the back of the Invitational cars, and then it's on to the back of the GT3 cars for our leaders. So a bit of clear track now for our leaders.
1: Harry King nicked the fastest lap a little while ago with a 2-0-1, uh, a 2 4 one That's now come down to a 2-0-3-4 for Lawrence Van So the speed's picking up. Uh, here's Tim Slade having a wee look. No, that's... That's not... The Lamborghini. Lamborghini, excuse me. So that's
8: David Wall just making his way around the Vortex. Tim Slay did an awesome job in qualifying is. In the ICGT, running to a 2 minute and 6 maximum lap time, and he did a 2 minute and 6.07 <laughs> to qualify the car. Couldn't get much more perfect than that. This is part of the huge appeal of this race, and I love that in the... Sides of those AMGs, you can see almost all the way up into the engine. You almost see up to the headers.
1: It's so cool. The Auburn doors out a few years ago because they, they had problems with tire uh, pickup getting caught where the exhaust go through the sill, and you can get you can get yeah. serious fires. You can see uh,
0: that in the AMG cars. Even on a really overcast, gloomy day, you can see the exhaust glowing. So they certainly run very high exhaust temperature on that car.
1: So we are coming around to 25 by 6 in the morning at the mountain.
8: And, John, the pace continues to build. So there's still a, an array of colour on our timing screen, which indicates that there's either personal best or session best sector times being punched out. So Lawrence Vantour on lap 15, went to the 16th now, with a 2.03.49. So the pace, as the light increases, the lap times come down. And this is pretty typical of what we see in this race, where it is something of a happy hour, kind of the wrong end of the day, where cars are just humming along nicely and punching out good (laughs) lap times. So it's still Vandalinda by six-tenths of a second. That margin's been pretty consistent since the start, somewhere between six to ten car lengths. BMW
1: continuing to lead. Harry King leads Pro-Am in ninth uh, with Jamie Winkup second in tenth best of the silver cars is Luke Yildon in 14th position in the 44. and invitational is Tim Slade and he is in 17th position in that number superb looking and sounding number 91 a white car with the Martini livery. Well, they've all been pretty well behaved at the moment. I'm impressed with this. You don't win a race on the first few laps. I'm, I'm I am getting the absolute Paddington stare.
8: I'll just uh, message James Taylor to get the safety car on standby, should I? Because uh, we've been, I think we've been pretty good this weekend from a commentary curse point of view. We've done all right so far. I don't think it's not a thing
0: it's not a thing. I love that commentators think that they've got some control over the curse. <laughs> we like to think we've got more influence than we actually <laughs> think. think we do
8: because as you're learning as you join our, our I can world. tell
0: you right now, as you're fanging around Mount Panorama at 6.25 in the morning, you're absolutely not thinking or worrying about what the commentators no. are saying. <laughs> if you are you've got bigger
10: I'm heartbroken oh, to sorry to, I'm sorry to
0: burst your bubble, John, but <laughs> I would have thought this far into your broadcast career,
1: you would have figured that one. <laughs> <laughs> Been picking up at the top of the mountain. That is uh, something to keep an eye on. So sort of coming into driver happy hour now, because yeah. you can see. Yeah. So, <laughs> the, cars, the cars were loving the
0: very start of the race, with the cooler conditions. So you had car happy hour for the first 40 odd minutes, and then we'll have now about 20 minutes of overlap where the draw, you go into driver happy hour, and then this temperature starts to rise, and then the tyre will go away, and. It'll then start to uh, lose lap time as the sun breaks. The UV comes in.
8: So. Just, uh, this is Maxi Goats in the Craft Bamboo racing car. Actually, to have a squiz about where he is in the timing, but there's a little timing error from the transponder in the Caltex car. So he is actually just on the outside of the top ten. Vastly experienced German. He's been here plenty of times. There's Grillo and a Porsche. Laurent Vantor squeezing past. He sits in fourth place. So Sheldon van der Linde continues to lead the margin 0.7. BMW leading a pair of Mercedes and a Porsche. Bright and early. Bright and early in Bathurst. Bright and early on Sydney Harbour as well. That's a fantastic shot of one of the world's most beautiful natural harbours. It's got it all. Blue waters, fantastic tourist attractions. There's some hidden beaches as well. And within walking distance of the city, some pristine bushland too. And, of course, the Botanic Gardens not far away from the Opera House and the bridge. Great part of the world, just a couple of hours from where we are now. And I know a lot of our international visitors go and do the touristy thing either before or after the race. Yep. A lot of the Mercedes AMG drivers spent some time on Bondi Beach. A couple of Mercedes AMG drivers, I'm told, a little bit worried about some of the wildlife in the sea at Bondi and refused to go surfing, <laughs> which is unsurprising. Uh, our colleague uh, is off to the Hunter to go and drink some wine. Yeah, and yeah
0: no sharks up to for this. our colleague. Lots, exactly of, wi- right. lots of wine, of <laughs> wine. <laughs> coming up next week,
1: which I mean, Brock's of- giving me a couple of really nice recommendations <laughs> ah. to, to potter up there in the Porsche and see a bit more of beautiful New South Wales. To double check on Jack's wine credentials, actually, I'm not
8: too sure. He goes alright, does he? Jack Perkins okay. with the uh, Perkins or LeBrock? Uh, sorry,
0: uh, LeBrock. Oh, okay. Sorry, oh. Jack. Uh, our, uh, our coffee's got international reach. Just got a text message from Kevin Estro saying, I oh. uh, hope you're enjoying the coffee. Oh, Kevin, It's such a, a shame he's not yeah. here because he's been part of the Porsche factory outfit for a very long time and was due to come this year. It was in the Bathurst 1000 last year with Penrite Racing. Did a great job and uh, was due to be racing
8: there this weekend. But shipping delays meant that that Porsche could not make it. Yeah, Hub Auto worked so hard, and they were on the verge of flying a car here, but it wasn't going to get here until Friday, and it was just too big a call to make. Yeah, you get the feeling Kevin would have been smack oh, in the middle of he this would battle, have been right in at the front. Yeah, <laughs> awesome driver. He looks really good in the Supercar last year. Oh, he did well. a mega job. Uh, a really good I, job.
1: Outstanding. Yeah. Uh, the Porsche Motorsport Asia Pacific region, represented by the the new team Phantom, but. New team name, and this is their first ever race, but being helped out by Timo Bernards, Uh, lads and lasses. And they're actually, John, going all right. 13th, so they're up a couple of spots.
8: They missed uh, missed the shootout. Jackson Evans is behind the wheel of that car, and they've just gone pretty quickly. So they're in the low threes, as are now the top 15 cars in the race, all in the threes, or very much near it. This is that leading battle. So Mauro Engel's come back to the rear of the national storage car for Grupa M, and Vantor's gone with him, and Lucas Stolz has gone with him, and, oh, by the way, Ricardo Fell is there too, and he can probably throw Maxime Martin into that mix.
0: 45 minutes in to the, since the start of the race, and just over eight seconds cover the top ten. So no-one getting up the road just yet. Jamie Winkup, 10th spot. It's actually Jackson Evans in that Phantom Global Porsche just mm. in the fastest yeah. first sector of the race, a 50.5. I'm not sure that car even did a 50.5 in qualifying. Oh, no. <laughs> so <laughs> tells you a lot about track conditions when there's no sun on it and it's still nice and cool.
1: Lina Labarouche again right in the middle. I think that's the third time that that Vortex has, uh, has been lapped, but they're in their own race. They just want to get through this one. French bespoke race car builder. It's one of their first efforts they've got a new for 2024 car did some development on it in the Middle East at the back end of last year and then raced in the Emirates a couple of races in January and that's uh, the new car the 2.0 Vortex that is an all carbon fibre chassis on that car and hopefully see that coming over here next year you talk about the international reach Uh, some, we've talked about this in the past racing drivers want to be here hello to Robin Liddell uh, Stephen McAleer and Jordan Pepper who are all tuned in around the world at uh, various times uh, they're spread across the globe it's uh, half past seven in the evening in the UK Uh, gentlemen let's uh, have you over here shortly
8: well, Jordan Pepper won with Bentley. He yeah, did. 2020, first South African to win here. Sheldon into the first of his countrymen to do the job in qualifying. So this is on board David Wall, former Career Cup Australia champion, GT champion as well. A little bit of AC. Only <laughs> 14.5 degrees outside at the moment. It's a bit War more than 14.5 inside, yeah. degrees inside yeah. the Lamborghini right
0: now. We were talking yesterday and qualifying how you can sort of relax at the end of Conrad at 280 k an hour, and that's a pretty good example yeah. of just one-handing it into the chase, just adjusting the air vents. I can tell you how just how powerful those air vents are. You've actually got to run with your visor down because it blows that hard. It dries your eyes I out. Right? Say,
11: yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> so I
0: was just marvelling at this lead bunch. We have, Every time we take a shot down Conrad straight or up mountain straight, the first eight cars are all in the same shot. So they make their way down...
1: Into forest elbow line of stern, and, you and if you listen, the start of a 10 lap sprint race, yeah, absolutely. If you listen carefully, you can hear them bottoming out. Hashtag B12HR. If you are joining the conversation, hello to John Smith. I'm not sure where you are. is This might be a silly question. Can do could the cars bottom out uh, at the dipper, not just there? Well, it's three or four times across yeah. the top when you particularly when you're full of fuel, yeah.
0: it's full of fuel in the cooler denser air as well there's more downforce so that was one thing i really noticed we tested here there's a test weekend or test couple of days in november and we started testing in the afternoon and then tested again the very next morning and you really do notice the difference in downforce just how much the car was bottoming for the same ride heights across the top of the mountain in the cooler denser air so that's what will be going on right now, and as the day oh, goes on, we talk about the tyre going away, but you also
4: lose a lot of aero performance as well. Let's hear from Chat. Just a little strategy update. I went for a walk up and down the lane to see who's got a helmet on, and I wanted to focus on the three bronze drivers that entered in the pro class to try the what we called the loophole strategy that we explained earlier I can see that Winklehock has got his gear ready to go, so it looks like maybe they'll be trying something different there compared to Liam Talbot next to him, has got the helmet on and ready to go so the Audi's are actually looking to split the strategy there, I went down to Sun Energy 1 at the very top of pit lane and they're sort of hedging their bets, both Jules and Kenny Hibble have their race suits on but no helmets yet, so still waiting to see a late call it was Kenny hopping in at the first driver change last year, but that was after Luca did a double at the beginning of the race
8: a good point, Chad. Thank you. And I think if you're out of you're mad if you don't split your strategies between those two cars. Just to if one, something goes wrong for one, your other one's still in the mix. And just to recap on that driver time scenario, and it, we called it the Kenny rule because they read the rules better than anyone last year and worked out that If you entered a bronze-ranked driver, so an amateur driver by the definition of the FIA, who seeds all the drivers around the world from platinum down to bronze, based on ability, success, career, history, age as well, especially, Um, if you put a bronze driver in a car that's entered in the outright class, there's no minimum driver time requirement. So only has to do 40 minutes of the race and then your two professional factory works awesome superstar drivers can do the rest of the day and it basically basically becomes a two car or two driver entry for the rest of the day and that is what won sun energy won the race last year audi doing the same thing with their two cars the number two and the number 22 with liam talbot in that car the orange car and brad schumacher in the number two kfc entry so get that driver out the way as early as you can, it sounds harsh, it sounds callous in a way but both of those guys Kenny as well, fully prepared to do the absolute minimum because ultimately at the end of the day, the trophy looks exactly the same. Exactly,
0: they don't mention any of that in the fine print when you look back at the record books, so uh, been used to great effect by the Sun Energy One team in years gone by and it was actually through the COVID period where it was the Pro-Am race that the team sort of tweaked onto this and thought, hang on a minute, we can make this work for an outright deal. And and we all scratched our heads like, that's not going to work, and they made it work last year. And like you said, Rich, Audi have now decided, hang on a minute, (laughs) there might be some value in this. So,
8: So we're 51 minutes in, these cars running, and the fuel capacity in a GT3 car varies mark to mark, and it's part of the... Series of checks and balances called Balance of Performance, that SRO, the governing body of Global GT3 Racing applies to all the cars to equalise the performance anywhere between 105 and 115 litres fuel tank capacity. So they've now 22 laps in at about three and a half litres a lap burn, somewhere in the vicinity of 80 litres of fuel gone. The idea is from an SRO and a governing body point of view view is that a stint will be somewhere around 32 laps worth of fuel and that will work out to be about an hour and ten into the race, so that's why the theory is you can do this race on nine stops all going to plan I say all going to plan which <laughs> rarely goes to
1: plan at this place Yeah, our, you know our Radio Le Bon uh, statistician and strategist Paul Trusswell actually does do strategy for teams now he always says, if it all goes smoothly, and you can almost hear him putting the brackets in, which it rarely ever does. You can, you can speak brackets. with the
0: infliction with an asterisk in it. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Does I that. love
0: it being in those strategy meetings when they, <laughs> they say it all goes to plan and all the drivers just roll their eyes going, show me a race where it's all yeah. gone to plan because it never does. And that's the mark of a great team. It's how you bounce back Correct. when it doesn't go to plan. On board here again with Calvin van der Linde as we make our way up Mountain Straight. and You can see that big green light on the light module just to the right of the driver, and that's showing us that we're under green conditions. That's actually the light module that shows when the safety car comes out, when full-course yellow comes out, or should the worst happen, we go red. That actually flashes inside the car, and the drivers get that information firsthand. And then you can see the counter on that uh, counting up right there. That actually tells you the stint length But it always goes a little bit out at the start of the race because we've currently been going for 53 and a half minutes and it's showing 58 on the counter. That's because that works from when the ignition in the car's turned on, Ah. not from the start of the race. So the first stint's always a little bit out, but it resets when you have your pit stop. So the next driver that gets in, you get a very accurate readout of how long you've been in the car. So that actually tells you where you are in the stint as a driver because you have an understanding of how long the stints
1: are going to be. And we've been talking about minimum driver times. Uh, The the regs in terms of maximum driver times well get out there and drive as long as you need to really but you must have an hour's break in between getting out of the car and getting back in talk about getting in there's one
0: of our superstar drivers one valentino rossi suiting up to get ready to jump aboard the number 46 BMW M4 WRT Mercedes, spoke to Valentino yesterday. Said, "So you're going to start the race? Uh, basically, <laughs> in the best Italian? No chance." <laughs> was the reply, and I don't blame him. <laughs> so, I feel like he has the
8: ability to pull rank. I think yeah, you, can, you can pull rank pretty heavily when you're Valentino <laughs> Rossi. The driver time regulations. Basically, no driver can do a, more than a double stint. Yeah, so a 150 minutes cumulative in the car at any one time and then you have to jump out for that one hour, which is why last year we saw Luca Stoles and on basically piggyback between the two of them at the end of last year's race and that certainly helped them get to the chequered flag and claim an amazing victory. We're riding on board with that 46 BMW. It looks like Valentino will jump in. We were just on board with the 22 Audi with Kelvin Vanderlinde, he might have heard Garth Tander in his ears, perhaps because he just punched out the quickest lap of the race at a 203-3-1. So, there's still plenty of pace aboard, even 24 laps into this stint, somewhere in the vicinity of eight laps away from the first round of pit stops, if they go right to the very end of their fuel window. So, just settled down at the front as well, and Vanderlinde just pulled a second or two away from... Well, it's 1.2 now from Mick Grenier. They've just started to separate themselves a little bit in that leading freight train as we go back and have a look at the IRC GT of Daniel Gillison. Might be wondering why the beautiful blue livery is interrupted at the back with some black. Well, they had to raid the spare parts bin. The, the body of this car is based on a Mercedes E-Class Coupe. The only OEM bit on it are the headlights and the taillights. Uh, And it turns out they're quite hard to find, (laughs) which is why one of them's still missing. Not many of them in downtown Bathurst on a Saturday night. (laughs) So they actually lifted the entire rear end out of a car that was running in one of our support races in the combined sedans race. So it finished racing yesterday. No support races today for obvious reasons. Um, They parked that back to back with this car, which the entire rear subframe had been detached and removed. And plug the new one in. Gearbox, transaxle, the whole lot. And it, this is
1: the reason why. And it's lucky that this is a sport racing car, and they could do that. Just a foot or saw so offline, and a huge incident at the top of the hill. That wasn't just the hit, the first hit. It was the second
0: yeah,
12: was hit, set. Garth,
1: that
0: did the damage at the back. And yeah. yeah, certainly that second hit. You can see the energy go through the car, and significant damage to the back of that one. So great job by this team to get the car back out and running again. Daniel Gillison, who's been involved with this Mark car and IRC program for quite some time. done quite a few miles in these cars. So smart play by the team to get him in at the start of the race. The first time the car runs after its rebuild was the start of the race. So best to have someone who knows the car very well understand and make sure that it's all working properly before they get into the grunt part of the day.
8: Remarkable job on the rebuild, too. And these cars are designed to be very modular. And there's only eight bolts that hold that entire rear subframe, which has got the transaxle, the alternators uh, mounted on the top of the gearbox at the rear of the car for weight distribution. Really impressive stuff, and that team worked hard. This is the... Manti EMA Ooh. Porsche. It was a Pro-Am class car. Just giving the wall a scrape at the top of the hill. Harry, Harry King, King getting up close and personal.
0: Was he, was that's exactly where we saw Adam Hargraves have that moment yesterday.
1: So. That was 11 and a half inches. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, <he laughs> didn't go. Well. Harry's a very stylish young man, and he, he just fancied a set a white wall tires oh, on that yeah. car. Yeah.
8: He did that in the Carrera Cup round here when he made his Bathurst debut in October. And needs to remember, it's not a Carrera Cup race <laughs> that goes for 25 minutes. He's got 10 hours and 59 to go at Mount Panorama. So a full hour of racing already ticked off at the Redco Bathurst 12 Hour for 2024, the 21st edition of a 12-hour endurance race at this venue. It was an additional one tacked in at Sydney Motorsport Park in 1995. And Sheldon van der Linde continues to lead the race for BMW and Team WRT in car number 32. His margin is 1.1 seconds over Mick Grenier, the young Canadian. This is the battle for third and fourth place. Two odd rivals, Smaro Engel and Laurens Vantor, two of the very best exponents of GT3 racing in the world. Both of them with a... Success at this place, both with Alan Simons and Pole Awards to their credit, but both looking for an elusive Bathurst victory. And both, you feel, in with a shot of achieving that today. These two cars among the favourites. And that Porsche, especially the Mercs, we expect to be strong. The Porsche has been flying under the radar quietly all weekend Matt Campbell did some Matt Campbell things earlier on in one of the practice sessions he wrung the neck of it in qualifying couldn't get that ultimate pace to get the car to the pointy end in the shootout but they've looked really strong and Porsche's strength Garth comes in racing conditions they're a lighter car so they're a little bit lighter on their tyres over a race distance and they burn just a little bit less fuel relative to their cars around them. And in years gone by, we've seen the Porsches extend a stint by one lap, two lap, sometimes three, just to give themselves a little bit more flexibility when it comes to strategy as the race plays out. Yeah, they certainly have. So Van Thor trying to make his way part of the lap cars. Daniel
0: Gillison finally gets that job done, leaving Forrest Elbow for the run down Conrod Straight. Let's hear from Shay in pit lane.
6: A little bit of fun, guys. We're talking about all the second drivers getting ready to get into the cars. Well, how about the second and third drivers who had to get to the track early because their way in was otherwise blocked? I'm talking about the Sun Energy One guys staying at Kenny Hubbell's house on Conrad Strait. But unfortunately for them, their method of transport in had to be before the race started because, well, there's a race going on in Kenny's normal driveway. So he is here. Jules is here. They're both ready to get in the car. Not yet later on in the day. And local Intel had it last night. That Kenny would be in the car somewhere around 8 o'clock this morning. So we still have a bit of time before we'll see a driver change for Sun Energy One. It's a good
1: point, isn't it?
0: <laughs> it's, not it's not a problem I've ever had in no. past in my racing career that I had to be at the racetrack because I live on the racetrack. So we'll publicize that when an opportunity came up, some real estate came up available on Conrad Strait. Kenny Habul. Big, big fan of this race or of Bathurst growing up that he just had to grab it and uh actually texted me last night said why don't you come around for a drink and gave me the address and it was XXX Conrad
1: Conrad Strait. Strait. Yeah. <laughs> that is that that's got to be one of the coolest addresses. Anybody who lives around here uh, to be able right. to see it yeah. that's my address. Yeah, something Conrad Strait isn't he um Mante's address
0: in Germany one the Nurberger. <laughs>
1: it's not far away. They're at boys path now, just uh, just off the bat of the dot to get hurt. And yeah, but there might as well be in it, fairness it might as well be number fifteen or rouge or something along those lines. It's well that'll be W R T, that's yeah. what Tom Voss lives just round the corner from Spa.
8: There, there is property for sale on Conrad Strait at the moment. you keep and tempting yeah, us I with think this. Rich, well, Rich I, will
0: have it, buy, he'll buy it before the end of the race. I
1: had a lot of
8: tickets in that 200 million Powerball that was going the other <laughs> week and I was very disappointed that I wasn't staying there this weekend because uh, lucky numbers didn't come up. I'll get the real estate website up for you Rich and you can uh, start putting bids in. It's a bit beyond my means Garth. Uh, Five time Bathurst champions though I think should be able to Get up there in the property market. They're just driving past it right now, by the way. The view is. Is there
1: room for uh, Chad to land his helicopter there? Uh, I mean, he could yeah. land like, the private jet
8: on that driveway. Yeah. Hey? Yeah.
1: Yes, true enough. true enough. This is that leading group of cars.
8: That incredible shot down through the fastest corner in our sport at the kink and the braking just before a hundred metres uphill into the chase. Did a very sneaky sure I was allowed to do it, but a slow lap last night as I departed the circuit. And it was one of the great scenes is there was a group of kids playing cricket in the sand trap at the chase. And I just thought that was very, very cool. What a great way to spend a Saturday evening.
0: Yeah. Play kick-to-kick footy up at Skyline. Yeah. 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 You just don't want to kick it too far because if it rolls over Skyline... (laughs) It takes forever to go and get it. (laughs)
8: You can't just ask the neighbours to chuck the ball back, can you? (laughs) Back over the fence, please.
1: Excuse me, sir. Yeah, that'll be somebody down in the paddock, it would just keep <laughs> rolling, wouldn't it? In one of the one of the quick kicks of all time. <laughs> hey, this Porsche in fourth place,
8: as the stint has gone on, it's just got better and yeah. better and better. I'm talking about the bright green and yellow car. It's called Grello for obvious reasons. Famous colour associated with Manti. And Vantel's just set the quickest lap for that car all race on lap 28. And Harry King in the sister car, slightly older generation car, back in ninth, set the fastest first sector of the whole race. So as the stint goes
1: on, these Porsches are just getting better and better. Uh, grello has its own mer- merchandise line. Yeah. And when it was named that, of course, it's a German team, but they've used, we couldn't decide whether it was green or yellow. And so it was called grello, But that's the English, not not the German. And it was, I think, probably one of the first of the modern era cars to get its own merchandising. Line and it's very been very successful, and the guys at Manti have kept it on and they, they've embraced it completely. We've seen Rexy and Roxy, of course, for Eo, also Porsches. And I suppose if you go back far enough, you uh, have things like the the Porsche Pink Pig, and it's uh, 20th anniversary of the BMW Art Car uh, this year. We're looking to have a BMW Art Car actually race in the top class. At Le Mans, the Jenny Holzer car uh, didn't ever race. It took part in practice and qualifying, I think, the V12 LMR. Um, but it didn't actually race that year.
8: Audi were the kings of coming here with unique Bathurst deliveries in the early days of this race. The first year with Phoenix Racing, oh, it was Audi Sport team, Joseph, the first year, Phoenix, the next. They rocked up one car with a big red back spider on it. The other one had a big kangaroo sign. They really embraced it. and make for good-looking model cars, too. As we jump back on board with Maxime Martin in car 46. Jackson Evans has just set the quickest lap for the Phantom Global Racing Porsche, running in 11th position at the moment, 2.33. So 29 laps into a stint, Garth. Yep. I know the conditions are very, very good, but the pace that these cars are producing at the moment is still really impressive.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we, we, we often talk a lot about the tyre going away throughout the duration of the stint, but in these cooler conditions, oh, lap traffic right at the wrong spot. for Maxime Martin gets around there at Solomon Park before the run down here into Reed Park. But we often talk about the tyre going away throughout the stint, uh, and that's where the lat, loss of lap time is. But when there's cooler conditions like this and the sun hasn't taken effect on the racetrack, it's the actual fuel burn of the race car getting lighter, it has a greater effect for the car going faster than the tyre going away and losing grip from the tyre performance. (laughs) (laughs) Bit of muckers. A hot cross bun? (laughs) No, I'll have the coffee back, thank you. I'm sure they're probably hot chocolates rather than... I'm sure the coffees. Mm, Yeah, not so happy about the hot cross (laughs) bun. Or was that Richard Crayle in the background because he's not getting a hot cross bun. Mikel Grinier up the inside of the 702 and then that's when we picked up this shot. On ball with Maxime Martin, the 702 catching its breath right where you want to put your car. So that's Jeff Emery in that invitational. And Let's have a look up. in the rear vision mirror. You can see <laughs> with the camera. You can see Calvin van der Linde coming in for the
8: kill. So he's <laughs> had that one covered by it oh. from all angles there. You don't pass it, McPhilomy <laughs> Park, Kelvin. And he's into the, the lane. That is Kelvin van der Linde in the orange and blue wash it, number 22 Audi. So first... Schedule pit stop, out come all the plugs, radio, water. That's guts behind him as well. Yeah, so Craft Bamboo Racing doing the same. So 30 laps into the race and an hour and seven minutes of running and the first round of scheduled pit stops. And We'll see a driver change, and that's Liam Talbot jumping in, reigning Fanatec GT World Challenge Australia champion. He's the bronze driver in this car, so you'll expect him to drive now, and that may well be his job done for the day, as long as he gets 40 minutes, plus a little bit under his belt in this stint.
1: Now, they're not changing tyres on that car. They're having a look at the front end of the AMG that's in there. And the difference in regulation
8: this year, and they can be a little bit more relaxed with their pit stops, is that there is a... Minimum time in pit lane you must adhere to when you are doing a stop that includes refuelling. And it's 85 seconds. And that is from the line at the start of pit lane to the control line at the end. And if you go beneath that, there is quite significant penalties that will be applied and that's why he's just sitting there minding his own business very early in the weekend they worked through and did practice of this, timing it out, what's the transit time up the 345 metres of pit lane itself, how long does that take, pulling into the bay, pulling out and then all the associated stuff. Yeah, and the driver
0: will have... We, we, sh- we talked about the, the timer in the car that was counting to stint up. What you also have, and the team's program into that readout, is when you leave your pit box, you have a plus or minus, and you have a red light and a green light. Green light means you're good to leave pit lane. Red light means you've got still got to kill a little bit, of bit a bit of time in the pit lane before you, you turn your pit speed limiter off. So the drivers actually have a lot of work to do here. Here's our race leader into the lane.
8: Triple Two was in the lane as well. Scott Taylor Motorsport, Craig Lowndes jumped aboard that car. A good guy at car racing, so he'll be all right. His first stint of the day, and Sheldon Vandalina pits from grannier. pits from second as well. The National Storage Triple Eight, and so that will hand the lead over to Mungall with Lauren Pintor in the Porsche now second. They're running a little bit longer. You'd expect them all within a couple of laps of each other. Given the early runnings gone SC free, barring
1: those two laps at the start of the race. They're making some changes on that Lamborghini. They were putting the jack holder underneath the left rear, and they only took the left rear off. So maybe some uh, adjustment, maybe some spring or yeah, damper adjustment. A damper adjustment
0: car. or ride height adjustment under the rear of the car. I was curious that they didn't put tyres on the Van der Linde Audi, and I think one of the reasons for that is for Liam Talbot, who's the bronze driver, you don't have to worry about the warm-up phase. Yeah. You yeah, can leave pit lane exactly. and get straight on it. So there's potential to actually make a bit of time-up time in these first two or three laps after the pit stop because you're not dealing with a cold tyre. You're just getting out at it, getting straight on it. So... Kelvin would have known that they were going to double stint the tyre at the start of the race, yeah. so maybe didn't take all of the performance out of the tyre as well. And with it being cooler right now, this is the time if you're going to double stint tyres,
1: do it now. Yeah, And then that buys you more tyres and more flexibility later in the day. Well, actually, we saw the 22 early, didn't we, getting uh, passed a couple of times in that early phase and that will have been exactly what you're talking about huge burnout coming out of the lane talk about cold tires there you go has got the
8: traction control cranked fairly low in that car as well i think so will brown aboard car triple eight for the first time his first stint in this race and first racing stint as a driver for triple eight race engineering so I'm just curious did they do tires
0: on the will brown car on the triple eight so. car some net gain there for the number two Audi as well. Yeah, uh, and, the, and the BMW, the 32 BMW. So
8: they potentially judged the pit lane time better than 888 did. And Audi have split their strategy. So Marcus Winklehock being shown now behind the wheel of car two. Ricardo Feller started that. But Liam Talbot jumped into the 22 car. So those two Audis now are going slightly different directions. Brad Schumacher will drive car two at some point today. He's the bronze driver. Remember, we were talking about the Kenny rule, that different kind of rule that those cars are operating to. This is a cool sight. It was fantastic last year, and it hasn't got any older. 12 months later, Valentino Rossi jumping aboard a GT3 car at Mount Panorama.
1: Last time he won an Endurance race, was, he was on two wheels. And Colin Edwards was his uh, was his core rider in 1981 uh, at Suzuka 8, uh, 6 hours rather. Will Brown. that a problem for Will Brown? Yes. No, looking really
8: racy and putting the pressure on the number 32 BMW with Charles Witts no. behind the wheel. The young Belgian driver who's struggled getting this car back up to speed and Brown switched on very quickly
0: this is the difference between a warm tire and a cold tire BMW took tires we saw them do that Will Brown on a much warmer tire and that's Marcus Winklehock in behind Yeah, it's if Witz doesn't defend down here in the final corner Brown's going to have a send because you've got to get it done. So Wirt's trying to get a bit of tyre attempt, disguising it as blocking. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> just
8: Page three yeah. of the racing car driver's handbook. Yeah, that's how right. so you do it, Rich. You've got to always, make, always have a secondary
0: story. So Will Brown knows he's got to get this done early. So wits defends again and then comes back at the line for Will Brown. That What's up there. going on here? Oh, there's the Morrow angle,
8: AMG. So they've all converged. <laughs> Valentino Rossi's jumped all of them. Yeah. So 46 out of pit lane, going over the hump wow. now. How have they done that? Well, is that's that? Is an be... overcut? Yeah. Yeah, One staying extra lap. out. But One staying extra lap.
0: Valentino on a cold tyre. They took tyres on his car as well. So they'll be to the back of the 46 BMW very quickly. So no time to play yourself in for Valentino
8: Rossi. Here they come. This is for the effective lead of the race. Well, the interesting thing will be Vantor pits now from... Oh. Assuming the lead in 9-1-2. Yeah, oh. Hold your breath moment early in this race on the run up to Reed Park. And the teammates almost get into each other. This is playing perfectly for Manti EMA, because these guys are walking across the top of the mountain, dueling with each other. How's the intensity of Will Brown's
0: first five laps as a Triple Eight-employed race car driver? He's going to be fine, <laughs> isn't going, he? What's
8: all this about? But they're <laughs> slowing each other up, Garth. Yeah, they so are. So while the pit stop times are going to be the same for every car, it's the in and the out that are going to make the difference in this race.
1: And Hot and Cool Tayers is the, is the decider right here. Both of the Monte Emma cars are in the... Per- laid at the but I'll be shocked if Vantel's not leading yeah, his race and under and this. Vantel knew it too. He set the purple yeah. sector
0: in the first sector, fastest sector of the race on his in-lap, and a personal best sector in the middle sector on his in-lap. So they're absolutely maximising the overcut here. And while this battle goes on between the two WRT b just hold our breath through a little bit here. They're trying to be polite to each other, and being bu- by trying to be polite to each other, they're costing themselves bulk lap time
1: on oh, Voss will be on the phone to these two, and... This is the. Well, I suppose if there's two BMW M4, M4, M4 GT3s, why well, nobody else is going to get past them? So well, we're it's still 11 2 on that lap. <laughs> <laughs> this has cost them the
8: race lead because yeah. Ayankan Guven, the young Turkish driver and his first start at Bathurst in car 9 is clear up your lane. He's up the road. And 75 was Jules Goon on. Talk about good guys at car racing. He's cleared them as well. So is the 9 11. the Shaheen's come
1: out up the road. So it's Porsche 1 2. Well, they're still going to have to warm their tyres up but at least they're doing it in slightly cleaner air and they're not having to worry about going offline and defending the Porsches are miles up the road from these guys this has
8: been a huge win for Manti EMA those inlaps from the two Porsches
0: Harry King as well did a personal best. So the 911, the middle sector on his in-lap was a personal best as well. So Mante, EMA have played a blinder early, but to do it this early, they've shown everyone how to do it later in the race. Oh, there's Shaheen. So he's needing to bring a... Cold tire in, so here they all come at him now.
1: So what happened to Valentino? Last lap is happening to Shaheen. This lap, Uh, And the Porsches take longer to get their tires up to temperature. Both Porsches have lost 10 kilos uh, overnight. The 991 and the 992 versions of those cars, as they're part of a rebalancing. I lost 10 kilos overnight, just like that. We can pop you, Rich. No
8: yeah, worry I'm about that. Fantastic, please. <laughs> That's balance of pudding. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> so we'll get everyone to the start finish line and recheck for you. But we've seen a massive shuffling of the race order, and it's all come down to in and out laps. So the overcut has worked. Stay out longer with tyre warm-up being so important in this race. I think we've just seen a bit of an example about how this race is going to play yeah, out today. Absolutely. So there's the new effective race leader, Ayan Guven, young Turkish driver, one-make Porsche star in car 912. David Reynolds finds himself in second place, so there hasn't been a massive amount of gain for car 130. They came in third, they come out second. Julgun on behind the wheel of car 75 the big losers out of that have been the 32 BMW they've gone from the race lead they're now in fifth position behind their teammates in car number 46 with Valentino Rossi uh, gaining ground and Will Brown now sits in sixth position at the back of this queue
6: Mick Grenier is out of the triple eight Mercedes and Mick you got the honor of starting the race you had only one car ahead of you the entire stint how well do you know the back of that BMW now after staring at it for an hour
7: yeah, I mean, uh, it looks a bit the same than in Quali yesterday. They are quick in sector one and 3 a bit struggling in sector two compared to us. But they have good straight line speed, so they are difficult to race. But uh, yeah, there was no risk taken in first stint, uh, especially in the dark. I mean, there's no point to risk. Uh, there was a fuel save game. I think we fuel save a bit less than other cars that stopped a lap later. And then we lost, I think, two or three spots. Uh, so I think now we're running P4, but it's a long race.
6: Do you think the Mercedes will get stronger as the heat of the day comes into play?
7: Yeah, normally the, the heat is, go, is good uh, for us compared to turbo cars. We have to wait and see. It's a long race. Now everyone was playing the fuel game, but uh, yeah, we will see.
5: Good luck. Thank you. Sheldon van der Linde, started from pole, led the whole start and opening stint of the race. Tell us about those t- conditions there.
3: Yeah, honestly, mate, not easy out there. I underestimated how hard it is in the dark to get around this place on the mountain, especially when you're the leader. You're always the first to arrive to dust and so on, so it's, it's not easy, honestly. I um, was trying to stay focused. I saw them coming mid-stint as well, so they've definitely got good pace, which is uh, not surprising to me. Um, they're also very good on the tire during the stint, so I'm pretty sure sure that uh, they'll be good at the end of the race as well, but uh, in general, very happy with the car. Um, it's feeling good out there. It's obviously still quite cool, so the car will change a lot in balance towards the end of the race. But uh, Charles in the car now, and, uh, yeah, he's having a nice battle with Valentino, so it should be good for the fans to watch as well any uh, chat within the
5: two teammates to get valentino out of the way or you just run your own race at this stage
3: no no team orders so early on i mean it's only one hour into the race so we'll do our own thing for now hope there's no contact obviously uh, we want to keep the car clean until the end but you never know at this race it's very tricky with traffic at the moment a lot of uh, very slow cars on the mountain where you just can't pass so
12: tricky
5: All right, thank you. Just quickly spin the camera around. I've seen some cool live telemetry before in here in the garage. They've got live video from the cockpit. Very cool indeed. I'll be watching that throughout the day.
8: Thanks to Jack Perkins down there with Sheldon Vandalino. What a great stint he did, leading his first laps at Mount Panorama. Let's have a look at how this has played out 5.45am this morning. The race burst into life after two laps behind the safety car in front of a packed hill at Hell Corner. And a beautiful sight, as always, one of the best hours of motorsport in Australia. And it was the BMW leading the way early, and the sparks were flying. And you get the vibe from what we've already seen. They're going to continue to fly for the whole day. There was some squabbling early on as people worked out what they had beneath them and where they wanted to run, and that was Chaz Mostert right in the thick of the action. Yeah, it certainly was one of the invitational cars
0: coming on by Chaz. Thomas Randall was going forward early in the race, and then Maxim Martin around the outside of Kelvin van der Linde at the end of Mountain Straight. David Russell was aboard the number 47 Superbar and Supermarket's car. They had to come through for a drive through for a start infringement, and then this, the Ganetta, a bit of an issue with the drive shaft in the lane. Hopefully they can get that fixed and back out. David Wall, a bit of a moment, getting past the Vortex. And then Harry King, finding the limits across the top of the mountain in the number 911 Shell Porsche. And then it was almost, it was pit stop time. And boy, did it kick off once the first round of pit stops started. Will Brown starting his life as a 888 race engineering driver. And then the on-track battles was just epic For the first couple of laps, leaving pit lane, cold tyres versus hot tyres. And this, if you're in a BMW garage, you are holding your breath for two laps while they sorted themselves out. Ultimately, Valentino Rossi held position, currently runs fourth in this one, but there was a couple of laps where it was wild.
8: And through all of that, car 912 was able to grab the lead. Now this was unfolding while we we're looking at those highlights. So car triple two, out of pit lane, right into the midst of a battle pack as well, and the leader going through. So lounge behind the wheel of that car, and the Mark G, uh, the Mark two entry, squeezed off the road, at mountain straight on the run up the hill to Griffins Bend. This from the Sun Energy One racing car was Jagoon on behind the wheel, so they get past STM. That is our race leader, Yankang Guven behind the wheel. Oh, squeezy, squeezy, over the crest. It is barely three cars wide on the run up to turn two. Visit New South Wales Corner. Here's how they stand on the Pirelli leaderboard after almost 90 minutes of racing so far. Fantastic fast start to this year's race. Laurents Vantor started car 9.12. They've got some gain through the pit stops. Car 130, the uh, Mercedes next. Sun Energy 1 creeping into it in third place. And then the two BMWs uh, with 32 having led the race early back to fifth position. Jamie Wincup, nice job early in car 88. That car sitting just outside the top 10. Craft Bamboo car running well. Craig Lowndes behind the wheel of triple two and you can see the class cars. So the Method Motorsport McLaren Artura GT4 car 25 leading the way over the AMG GT4 and here is confirmation of your class leaders. So Guven leads the race. Shaheen leads the Boycelle pro M class. So he's out there against a bunch of pros now. Luke Yulden leads the Silver class. It's the blue highlight, former Bathurst champion. Cam McLeod he's a superstar young driver doing a really nice job behind the wheel of the IRC GT car, and they are leading the Invitational class. People have worn their pyjamas to the racing today, which I completely understand. Cool morning on the mountain, just on 14 degrees when this race started. Nice and crisp, especially at the top of the hill where it can often be a couple of degrees cooler up there. Still taking some time to get some temperature around, still showing about 14 degrees outside at the moment but the sun has poked its head up over the blue mountains and we're into that dawn couple of hours now
1: while everyone sorts themselves out so the the differential in lap time between those fast in laps garth from the two uh porsches uh we had them down in the down in the threes didn't we and they're they're turning what they're doing last time around sixes Five zero for good. 5-0. So yeah.
0: peak lap time for that car was a three three. So the full tank having a big effect on the performance of the cars and as they get lighter the performance
4: will come back. All right, so let's dive into the Pirelli pit bunker, guys, and we'll chat a little bit about the pit stops that we just saw so we can break down a few of the new rules that were introduced. We heard Rich talking the fans through some of those that we just saw on screen. And the two biggest changes, fellas, that we've seen this year are these two top-line items right now. So a minimum 85 seconds in pit lane. And that is from the moment you enter pit lane to the moment you exit pit lane, and it's because it's the easiest way to keep track of that through the timing screen. So what that means is that a lot of the time you'll be sitting stationary for about 20 seconds once the pit stop is done before you get moving. The other big change this year, which sort of slipped under the radar before we got here, is that you were allowed to refuel and service the car, change tyres at the same time. That last year was fuel first, tyres second. As always, the cars has to be switched off, which is very different to what we're used to seeing in this part of the world of motor racing. And the speed limit is 40 kilometres down pit lane, which is substantially slower than where it is in a lot of places around the world. And someone's just dived into the pits, and that's the number nine Audi making a second stop very early. So I'll get on that in a second. But let's just quick over to some of the other things that are going to matter here. You may have noticed that there's some armbands being worn in pit lane, and this is what the colours mean. So white for the car controller, you'll have one of those. You're allowed four refuelers there. I've got the orange armbands. Changing the tyres, you're allowed three mechanics, and they are using two rattle guns as well, so you can't change four tyres at once. You can either do fronts or rears or right and left, and then the driver assistant can get in there to change drink bottles, help with the driver change, the radio, the cool suit system, anything like that. So when you're watching the pit stops today, just a few things to watch out for. Speeding in pit lane, there was a lot of drivers doing that in practice earlier in the week. Making sure the car is always off during a pit stop. Not always pitting during a safety car. That has happened in the past, but with the 85 second minimum, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them taking whatever pit stop chance they get. And for the first time ever, guys, we should be seeing drivers pitting during a full course yellow. I can't wait to see how that one in particular, like it does in Formula One, will change the course of the race today. And a lot of
1: that's going to come down to where you are on the circuit. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, is, that is the only bit of rolling the dice of full course yellow. I, I, I think it's a great way to neutralise the circuit quickly and to get back to racing quickly. Um, but it, it does. It's a little bit of a, a roll of the dice because normally the leader under safety car, of course, would get the first chance to come into an open pit. It will depend where they are. And we should say, by the way, that full course yellow could be the prelude to a safety car. It can, if you will, get upgraded to a safety car first, if necessary. First time we've used full course yellow. In Australian
0: motorsport really at this level so a lot of the international teams potentially have a little bit of an advantage there on how to react should that fall and whether to take a stop or not. So that's something we'll need to keep an eye on. It's a bit of a change in strategy.
8: That is stunning. Absolutely stunning. That's old school Bathurst coverage isn't it where they had the camera at the top of the hill and that grainy grainy, just-in-colour shot that you'd see the two uh, Moffat Ford dealers <laughs> I knew that, going side-by-side. Side. you were headed
0: to that shot. I remember that one as yeah, well. That's awesome. So this car came to the lane just previously. Oh, it's oh. made contact with the inside wall. Lee Holdsworth. Oh, so, oh, so lucky wow. that there wasn't a secondary contact there. So you could see, hit the inside wall and ran him
1: wide. Might have in a tool link there
10: on the back end of that car. uh,
1: Lee wants to put the power ball on (laughs) because that was very, very lucky indeed. It came to the
0: lane and they're back out again now, so obviously not too much damage to that car. So smart from Lee to bring it back to the lane and have a bit of a check and make sure that's okay before pressing on. You can recover with ten and a half hours to go from something like that. If you don't come to the lane and something bigger happens... Then you can't
8: recover from that. So it's good heads up racing from Lee. Maybe if Lee wins the Powerball because of that save, he can buy us uh, four, five, he's seven. a one Conrad time Strait. Bathurst 1000 yeah. winner. So he's a real estate man now. So he is too. He's yeah. all over that. So that's He's probably on. already got a bid in <laughs> a for 400 Conrod straight. <laughs> so, with 90 minutes into the race, let's just take stock, shall we? And car 912 is leading. So, that's the Porsche. Really good sequence through pit stops. Um, we were talking about in laps and out laps and the sector times that Laurens Vantor punched out, he was in the lead, he he'd shuffled himself to the front, he had clear racetrack. It was a mid-one, potentially, that he could have done had he completed the lap. Wow. They, it was head down, proper head down stuff. Um, attacked the pit entry and got the car in, so that really helped that team get to the front. He's been chased by... David Reynolds, who is, for this weekend, a factory Mercedes-AMG driver. The margin officially one second. Jules Gounon, three-time winner of this race in third place. And this is great news with the number 56, Genetta being pushed out into the lane.
6: New drive shaft, and they are trying to knock it out of gear because it was uh, put in gear by the new driver. I believe it's Paul Bustini behind the wheel. Uh, but the car will get a little splash of fuel before it then rumbles back out on the racetrack. Excellent work by Team 19. having fun
1: for all four of their drivers. This is another purpose-built race car. There are Geneta G55s for the road, but they are a race car put into road trim. Battle for position out on the track, and that's cleaned up rather nicely as the Audi comes through on the Porsche. And that was as easy as you like, Luke Yildon making up position and finds himself... In 10th place now uh, in that number 44 Valmont Racing Tigani Motorsport Audi. What's going on up here at Griffins Bend?
8: Heart of Racing Mercedes AMG gobbles up another AMG car. So the M Motorsport car, Jack LeBrock behind the wheel, slow getting out of Griffins Bend.
1: Leader coming across the top of the mountain and down into the Repco Diba, the Grelo car. And Chad Guvin, Turkish racing driver of some repute. Also pretty good on the Sims as well. Races at a very high level in iRacing and uh, more than holds his own in that side of things as well. And at the moment, he's the better part of a second, Krillsey ahead of David Reynolds in second, and Gilles Gildon in third position. I went through my records, and I will be corrected if I'm wrong,
8: but I could not find a record of a Turkish national racing in an endurance race at Mount Panorama before. Correct me if I'm wrong. Certainly not in the 12-hour. Good morning, Aaron Noonan, if anyone's going to know. Noons. It'll be the sleuth. <laughs> But uh, yeah, he's doing a nice job. He's been a, a consistent in one-make Porsche racing, much to the bane of all the Aussies and Kiwis who have been going overseas to race in Porsche Super Cup or Crow Cup Germany. Matty Campbell, Race Gouven, Jackson Evans as well, Jordan Love in recent years. As we watch this battle between the national storage racing Mercedes AMG, Will Brown behind the wheel. He's got Marcus Winkelhock chasing him down, a hugely experienced German, a guy that's. Won everything in long-distance endurance racing, Spa and the Nürburgring combined. World Challenge, Intercontinental GT Challenge. has been successful. He's been associated to the Audi brand for a long time. He's Nine visits to this place now mm. as well. Co-driver to our mate Garth up here in the commentary box for a couple of years as well at the Jamek Racing and Melbourne Performance Centre team. And the leader is just in traffic. We'll get to the lane in just a sec, but... Gouven's getting held up by the Vortex here, and that's just going to allow David Reynolds to close in, and he's got a genetta. he's trying oh. to get past as well. So oh, this is incredibly busy, and Reynolds is going to try and thread the eye of the needle through all of this. We talked at the start that traffic was going to play a bigger role in this race this year, relative to the last two especially, and that is proving so.
1: So Philippe Bonnell in the Vortex catching up to an outlap. Uh, for the Ginetta, which is effectively an exploratory lap because they've just bolted the new drive shaft into the right rear of that. Everybody played together very nicely, but proof if proof were needed of just how high the concentration levels have to be at all times here. Uh, And not only for the drivers doing the passing but for the drivers being passed as well, Rich because they've just got to hold their line at that point and not do anything unexpected. Sorry, Chad, we had a little bit on there just for uh, a lap or two.
5: I thought I'd give you an update on the Lee Holdsworth uh, Audi performance car. I spoke to Dean Fiore, co-driver, and the engineer on that car. They said the steering is not bent, but I thought I'd have a look at the right front wheel. And you can see the outer bead on the rim where it's made contact has bent that in. It would have caused a bit of vibration in the right front. Lee would have felt that come in. They put another wheel and tyre on the car, and they're back in the race.
1: Thanks, Jack Perkins, down there in the lane. Uh, was Chad doing a very good Jack Perkins impression yeah. in, in fairness with that Mission Impossible mask and everything. That was oh, a good no.
0: pick-up from Jack there because um, you probably could have pressed on if you 're Lee Holdsworth yeah, yeah, yeah. and got away with it. Um, and you might do that at the end of the race if you're in the battle for a podium or for the win, but given it was 10 and a half hours to go at this stage of the race, far better to come and check it and make sure it's okay. So uh, smart heads-up racing from Lee Holdsworth there. To double-check, make sure all's okay. Now, there's a bit of a calm has fallen across the top five cars. Again, after that, I say that, and there's a McLaren going to find across the top of the mountain. It's always the, the worst way. spot as well. I it? know. And you come, I mean, the, the, the lap car guys, they do everything they can to get out of the way. But often you'll jump out of Selman Park there and not know they're there. And then you drop down into the grate and all of a sudden there's a car there, such as the closing speed across the top of the mountain. So Guven has got up the road a little bit here. 1.7 seconds over David Reynolds, and that's the traffic effect. Almost an elastic band. It'll keep stretching and contracting as you make your way through the traffic, depending on where you find them. But we've had a full hour and a half of racing, one pit stop cycle, and there's still seven seconds that cover the top seven cars. So that battle for the front pack was ten cars before the first stop. It's whittled down to seven. Jaden Ojeda in eighth in the number 77, Craft
8: Bamboo. AMG Mercedes is 21 seconds off the lead. Talbot in 22. So remember, bronze driver aboard that car, which is a pro car, needs to tick 40 minutes off. But ideally, this is the car. They will go the full stint with Liam behind the wheel. If they can do 70 minutes like they did in the first stint of this race, that will be more than enough for Liam to have cleared what he needs to do in the race and then it will be up to his teammates to do the job, Ricardo Feller and Kelvin van der Linde, for the rest of the day. That will become a two-driver car. So they're okay. They're still in this race, but there'll be swings and roundabouts with the Audis because Marcus Winklehock, we think, will hand over to Brad Schumacher at the next stop. But Audi have split their roles. So number two's next stint might see them drop down the leaderboard. But as long as they stay on the lead lap. That's oh, fine. There
1: we that go. Okay. At the chase. It's that's the, the Junetta facing the wrong direction, but there was another car involved there. I
0: think it was the Lamborghini.
1: I think so. it was the Wall Racing
0: car. Yeah. So the Gannetta getting out of harm's way. Still showing David Wall at the helm of the number 93. Wall Racing, a Lamborghini Huracan. There's Yasha Shaheen behind. Yasha currently running 12th, looking to put the Lamborghini one lap down.
1: just getting a few notes on the socials about this mandatory 85 second stop one thing that we should say is it it applies all the way through the race because people are asking does it apply for a last stop late in the race yes it does is my understanding
0: no, i think it's just if you connect the fuel rig but i was i was just gonna yeah. say yeah <laughs> if you connect the fuel rig then that makes it an 85. so you can't splash and dash but you can come and take tires uh, right, it's, right, yes, it's it's tyres, it's, yeah. so, it's more, it's so but that changes. means you can't put fuel in at the same time. And you can't change the driver. And you can't change the driver, yeah. so it's my understanding, without getting into the bowels of the regulations, but um, it has taken away that splash and dash option towards the end of the race that we've seen some teams use, so we will see a different strategic element in the last hour and a half of this one than what we've seen in previous 12-hour events here at Mount Panorama.
1: So you need to get your fuel numbers right for your last fuel stop. That that makes that one absolutely crucial.
8: I, I don't think a huge amount changes in the fact that you need to do your final pit stop within the final 75 minutes of the race. You tick that box, you're good to go to the end. An hour and 38 into the race. 10 hours and 19 to go as they lays down Conrod Strait. Race leader heading up through Visit New South Wales corner. In the run up to the Audi Sport Cutting. Ayan Kanguvin now 2.9 seconds in front. And just keep a look at the trend of those Porsches because they got better as the stint went on in the first end of the race. So let's get a little bit more of a larger sample size in this second stint. See what they do as this race progresses on, and that's going to give us an indication of where they're going to stand later in the day. Remember, 12 months ago, Matt Campbell came on really strong at the end of last year's Repco Bathurst 12 Out, and was harassing Jules gunon and bouncing his Porsche off fences in his his pursuit to try and get the race lead. Porsche is traditionally strong late at Mount Panorama. We'll see if that stands up today. Two BMWs, meanwhile. In pretty good shape. Fourth and fifth place in Valentino Rossi, yeah. hanging on to the back of Jules. You know, I was
0: about to make the point that Valentino Rossi not letting triple race winner Jules Gounon get up the road here in this stint. So we saw straight after the pit stop, Valentino Rossi fighting hard for track position over his teammate Charles Wirtz and it was worth the fight because now the tyre has come in and the doctor is going to work on the back of last year's race winner. In Jules Gounon. so we are still curious to see how the BMW goes as the sun continues to rise and the temperature continues to rise, also because that was their Achilles heel last year. They were super fast in this part of the race last year, they're doing it again this year. But the question mark remains can they do it when the heat comes in? And the humidity, as well, I think, will be an interesting factor for this car. The only front-running AMG oh, front-running GT3 car that is turbocharged here this year, going up against all the naturally aspirated variants
8: in the AMG Mercedes, the Porsche, and the Audi. And if it's been one thing, like it's been humid yeah. all week long, a lot of moisture in the air. It's not play a role. This is awesome from Rossi. He was good last year, but he's now a driver that's had. 12 months worth of really solid experience behind the wheel of the M4 GT3. So he's a sharper implement himself, let alone a year's worth of experience under their belt with this car for Team WRT. They only switched to this car from Audi. Years of being a factory Audi team at the start of last season. And they performed really well. They won at Kyalami actually a couple of weeks after Bathurst last year in what was a round of the Intercontinental GT Challenge. And they had some success later in the season but this is a really sharp outfit. And as Garth said, the only question, what do they do in the heat of the day? How do the cars go in the heat of the day? But for mine, there's no questions over drivers. And certainly in this car, they've added Raffaele Marchiello this year. And he's a guy that's done awesome stuff in Mercedes over the years in the Repco Bathurst 12. Our former pole sitter. Ridiculous overtakes all of the bits and pieces. So looking forward to seeing the guy they call Lelo behind the wheel of car 46 as this race evolves. We're on the banks of the Macquarie River in the central tablelands of New South Wales in the vibrant regional centre of Bathurst. The perfect mix of old and new. That's one of the great distilleries here. Had the fortune to responsibly sample some of that product. It's fantastic. Uh, There's rivers, there's bars and restaurants, arts and crafts. There's music as well. Some music coming in the middle of the week as part of the Bathurst Superfest with the Thrift Bathurst 500 coming your way next weekend as well. So this really is... the Place to be, and that is the scene. It, it is genuinely one of the most beautiful parts of Australia. Rolling hills on the other side of the Blue Mountains, especially at this time of the morning. It's not called
1: Mount Panorama for nothing, guys, is it? It lives <laughs> up to the Panorama <laughs> name. That, you absolutely cannot go for trades descriptions violations there. It <laughs> does what it says on the tin or on the side of the mountain. On the fact. side of the mountain, yeah, quite it's... literally. This is a Mercedes AMG
8: and BMW fight with David Reynolds. And Jul Gunon just behind with Valentina Rossi and Charles Wirtz. We go back to Will Brown in
1: sixth. I like the way that we, we started the, the first hour of this race. It looked, it was a bit of it was a bit of jabbing, a bit of feeling for where the, the cars were. And it's just getting turned up the intensity a little bit. Uh, some of the drivers who've started the race have got out, some of them have stayed in, but it's just starting to turn this up a little bit more now. That
0: period after the, after the pit stops or through the pit stop cycle, man, the intensity was through the roof. So here's our race leader, Ian Chan Guven, through on Paul Tracy, who's running in the 702 car in the Invitational class, gets the job done. The lead that Guven enjoys over David Reynolds in second place there in the AMG
1: Mercedes is two and a half seconds. Uncharacteristically scummy screen there on the, the Porsche. Whether that was something between. The layers of the tear-off strips that are on there. Whether that was on the inside of the screen, I'm not sure. But you do get the when you do put plenty of those tear-offs mm-hmm. on the
0: windscreen, you do get a lot of distortion and it gets quite hazy. But you need to run here. You'd probably have 12 twelve yeah. tear-offs on the screen because you'll get rid of one every pit stop. And if you look
1: very carefully, you can see the little tabs, fluoro tabs, up yeah, in the corner, on one side the or the other of yeah. the yeah. of the air pillars of. The cars. My worry would be, as the sun comes up, there'll be a time when it's in the driver's eyes anyway, yeah. and you don't want it to be any more distortion or anything else. That's I can't stand a scummy windscreen on a <laughs> on a road car. I can't imagine what it'd be like around here. I'm the sort of person who packs a microfiber cloth with me to to it's a out. rag in every car you go in yeah pretty much <laughs> pretty much and nowadays of course all of the dashboards are all touchscreen and that's the other thing fingerprints on oh don't get me started down at hell corner a couple of moments ago a little bit of a run on for the Whoa. triple one and that Whoa. is no harm no foul for grant donaldson in the mark two sitting good. in third in the invitational class it's got Excavation
0: sponsorship on that car. I wouldn't want to go much further into the gravel trap, otherwise it would have to do a bit of excavating itself. The battle for second oh. is tightening up now. Incredible. Second through fifth. Very, very tight. So David Reynolds aboard the 130 AMG Mercedes that Marrow Engel started. He's not holding
1: these guys up. No. That we haven't had what you would describe as a proper goal for an overtake here it's still early in the race what we an hour and three quarters hour and 45 minutes into this so at the moment again what's happening from the pits are the pits talking to these guys and giving them lap time your fuel number doesn't really matter as much as it used to here so they're asking them to hit their lap time or they're just leaving the guys to oh, get you're,
0: it? you're letting them go at the moment given it's this early i mean Should it get a bit spicy and the drivers start taking a few risks, you might just radio in and just remind them to be patient and take their time. But I'm not sure you'd need to radio Jules Gounon and remind him to be patient. So he's going to pick his moment. But David Reynolds doesn't make many mistakes at Mount Panorama. So really, if an opportunity for Gounon presents itself with lap traffic, you might look into it. But at this stage, you just sit in and wait. I mean, Gouverne's got up the road a little bit now. It's
1: 4.1 seconds, first to second. It's great for that car. They've re- they really worked yeah, the pit stops they well. Have, and the They've they had that advantage, and they've actually pressed it home yep. from here. You don't know want damage on the car that's going to affect the performance here, particularly not straight-line performance or knocking a guard in or taking off one of the... The dive plane's on the front of the car. That's going to hurt you all the way through the race here and with still over 10 hours to go. That is not a a, a problem that you want to have right yeah. now.
0: At this stage of the race, you are as a driver, you're thinking, I'm just protecting the front of the car. I'm yeah. protecting all aspects of the front of the car, all the aero at the front of the car, all the air intakes, everything like that. You are just wanting... You're not going to take any risks that damages the front. So you're just... Patience is key right now as they make their way past one of the McLaren GT4 cars Valentino Rossi just a little bit held up there as they exited Reed Park but it's the name of the game in this race is how you manage your way through the traffic and we will constantly say that these gaps will open and close as they get through the traffic so they spread out a little bit more now Reynolds has got up the road but you'll see next within the next lap that gap closed down again
1: as reynolds finds traffic himself it's not just the sights of Mount panorama it's the sounds as well the grinding of the cars on the ground the different engine nodes the twitter of the and uh, the chirping of the turbo wastegate on that that bmw i love the variety that we get in in gt and endurance racing so many manufacturers interested in it now and it's because of fabulous races like this and in the international audience global audience that it that it brings world endurance championship of course starting uh, in a couple of weeks time had the prototypes into that as well and gt3 cars going to le mans for the first time this year many of these drivers will be taking that opportunity in the manufacturers uh, as well gt3 has been an unmitigated success right across the world is pondering David Reynolds and a bit of a feather
8: in the cap for Dave because you don't normally get a factory driving opportunity approaching 40 like he is, 38 years of age, 2017 winner of the Repco Bathurst 1000. But he is still driving as well as he ever had and proof of that last year, the Street to surface paradise, incredible race win for the Grove Racing Team in the Supercars Championship, proving he's still got everything he's got. He just feels like he's in a really good place in his career at the moment. He rang me when he just did this deal, and he goes, man, I'm seriously nervous about this. <laughs> like, this is a
0: big deal. <laughs> they're they're trusting. It's not good, though. <laughs> it's great. It means something. And he's like, they, they're trusting me. They really trust me. And I was like, Dave, you know what you're doing, mate. You'll
1: be fine. There's a reason why Marrow Engel wanted you in the car. Multicoloured Audi is leading the Pro I'm um, uh, the silver version of GT3. That's Luke Yildon And the flashing blue number gives you its class. The Y or U uh, isn't seeing you. That's Luke Yildon's identifier. And the 10 is the position overall. Well, speaking of David Reynolds' 2017 Bathurst victory, there's the other half.
4: Yeah.
8: Really popular win that year. Unpredictable win, but a win nonetheless. And Luke, who's been around for such a long time, that's the Belmont Racing Team. Such a cool-looking race car, too. Tim Pattinson's worked his art on the livery of that squad. Marcel Zalua and Sergio Perez sharing that car as well. This is the Boycelle Pro-Am class leader. It's the Shell V-Power Porsche from Manti EMA. Yasser Shahin is
1: behind the wheel, a two-time Fanatec GT World Challenge Australia champion. And see how heads up of Yasser. Comes out right at the sharp end of the field on cool tyres after that first pit stop. His job is not to hold on to second place. His job is to bring this car back to pit Lane after his stint, uh, as if it was the most expensive rental car that you've (laughs) ever had from the airport and you've got no CDW on it, and it's full excess. He will be very switched on about what his job today is, which is a
8: Pro-Am class win, correct? Unlike his... Rival Liam Talbot, who's going for outright, is willing to sacrifice some driving time to do so. Yasser and this team are going for a class victory. Now, if they happen to be in a position to challenge for an outright result later in the day, then brilliant. And when you put Harry King in this car, then oh. it is absolutely going to be in contention for an outright win. But Yasser knows where he's at. Right now, his eyes will be on car 88. That's yeah. the Johor Motor Racing Triple Eight entry with Prince Jeffrey Ibrahim behind the wheel, who is between. Well, Craig Lyons is between he and Yasser Shahin. So they're the first, and first second in the pro-am class.
1: Yeah, and he's got, at the moment, uh, around about 15, 16 seconds of a gap at the moment. And that's what they'll be telling him on the, on the radio from the pitch. You're doing a great job. Hit your marks. Uh, this is not the time to fight any battles for that car right now, Gough. No, that's right. And here's
0: our invitational class leader, Cameron McLeod bought the number 91, beautifully turned out. Martini, liveried Mark Mustang and young Cam doing very good things in his career. A lot of raps on this kid for the future internationally and here in Australia. He was over in the Middle East racing in some endurance racing over there earlier this year. He'll be in the Dunlop series next week at Bathurst for the thrifty... Bathurst 500
8: weekend, the second part of the Bathurst Superfest. Yeah. What a week! It's um, he is very, very good. He's yeah, a kid, he has made a mark. Matthew Campbell watching on from pit lane. He's talking <laughs> about guys that have made a mark, yeah, just, just, <laughs> just a bit of <laughs> just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but just on Cam McLeod, following in his dad's footsteps. So his dad is Ryan McLeod, yeah. who Has starts in. The Great Race starts in this race and every other race at this place that's just about ever been held. And the grandson of Peter McLeod, who won here in 87 with Brock and the Holden Dealer team, but a great racing family, but he's taking Ryan's approach, which is just drive everything. Get experience everywhere. He's raced Formula Ford into the V8, but he's been running um, Mark cars. He did the sports sedan round, I think, on the streets of the Gold Coast last year to get some straight circuit miles, which was really appropriate. And linking up with Keith Kasuki's team this weekend and that beautifully liveried Mark II entry. Keith just wants to finish this weekend. That's all he wants to do. Tim Slade did a super job of qualifying that car and that invitational class. It's going to be fun to follow that over the course of the day. Right now, he's leading Nick Percat, so he's got <laughs> some pretty serious talent around him, Cam McLeod, and you knock off a supercar driver in the same machinery, you're doing a pretty
1: good job van is pulling away from this battle for second on down and, and that's not because David Reynolds is holding anybody up so Guven's lap time's really consistent he's not losing any time through traffic really big props to that young driver and it's not like Reynolds is holding on no. up
0: either so this gap and this is starting to spread the top for Guven gone up the road nicely, and that battle for track position after the pit stops was crucial for the 9-1-2 Porsche as they continue to lead.
1: Reynolds in second place, as we mentioned. He's got about a second now in third to Gounon. Then Valentino Rossi also holding his own. and So behind Gouven and that five second gap it's about a second between the next two or three cars there's a couple of seconds behind Charles Vert to the triple eight Uh, next up which is Will Brown at the moment Marcus Winklehock next up leader going up mountain up the mountain straight to Griffin Bend this is that little battle and look at the the, it's almost formation driving here (laughs) Quilsey It's a great way to get a vibe of who's where relative
8: to each other. So there's Hock in the leading Audi. We go back and we're going to pick up behind them, Jaden O'Jada. So the Caltex car for Craft Bamboo Racing. Great to have them back for another year. Runners up here two years ago. Murrow Engel was one of the drivers that year for this squad. Based out of Hong Kong. Hugely experienced race team. Headed up by Tolo Young, who won this event twice as a driver for Audi. Canadian Origin. Is Darrell. It's a really successful race team, and they put a really nice program together. We're then looking for Joel Erickson, who's in the number 13 Phantom Global Porsche. There he is in ninth. Back to Liam Talbot. So Liam settled in 10th position in car number 22. 51 seconds from the race lead. The next car will be car 44, Luke Yulden. Some of the lap cars in between. There's the Vortex. It's a cool car. I hope they keep coming back. The 2.0 version of that is... Um, 110% carbon fibre. It's a cool thing. with The big LS Chevy V8 mid-mounted. Go back to find David Wall there, who is a lap down in the silver-class Lamborghini Huracan. Quite a lot of track position back to find Lukey, well, Luke's 54 back. The next car in the line is Craig Lowndes. There he is. So Lowndes, he has exited... Murray's corner and has just slipped his way past Yasser Shahin. so that is a change of position for 12th and 13th but they are still on the lead lap a minute and 43 behind there's the Genetta, great to see that still circulating with Paul Pacini behind the wheel they're running 29th and then through all the lap cars and the class leaders the unmistakable sight and the flashing number on the windscreen of 001 is a yankan Guven our race leader? So that's the field. Every single one of them. 29 cars started, and
1: at the moment they're all still running, which is great stuff to see. That battle for second is closed down a little bit. Second, third, and fourth. When we saw them last lap around, going up mountain straight, there was a, about a second between all of them. It's probably a little under half of that at the moment. Is there? Oh, now as Gunon in that uh, very bright car is closing up on David Reynolds. So great battles all the way through the field, but this
8: event is so much more than just a car race, and it has been really busy on and off the racetrack, both in the paddock and in Harris Park, and we sent Jack Perkins out and about to find out what's going on.
5: This is the Chemical Guys Rides and Coffees. And I tell you, judged on the popularity, every year this is packed full of people. And Luke O'Neill, this is getting bigger and bigger every year at the Repco Bathurst 12 Hour.
12: It is, mate. Uh, This is our biggest year yet. We've been here seven consecutive years. We started, I think, the first year we had maybe 50 cars. This year we have 95 and we are at capacity. Um, it's a, it's it's growing really well, and it's great to see that the growth of this is with the growth of the 12 hours. It's coming back after COVID and becoming the event that it was pre-COVID. You know, huge, it's so exciting. There's some really cool cars here. We've got a mixture of old stuff and new stuff. What's your favourite car here this year? Look, uh, uh, these two are, uh, are favourites. This is an old E-type, a D-type Jag, and a you know, a bit of a modern car, modern twist with the uh, with the R8. I'm a little bit of a fan of a McLaren. Everyone knows that. Anyone who knows me knows I love McLarens. There's the new Artura there, which is the new V6 hybrid. And uh, the SUV of choice, the Aston Martin DBX 707, which has 700 horsepower for you to get the kids to school faster. Dare I ask, what's the most expensive car here? There is a pretty stunning purple Lamborghini STO. Uh, It is for sale, so we need to talk. It's uh, $888,000.
5: Sounds like I better ring my bank manager. That's it. Chemical guys, rides and coffees down here in the paddock.
1: Well, we've had our uh, coffees courtesy of McCaffey this morning, and we're caffeined up. The crowds have settled themselves in on the backside. There's some uh, new sunshades as well on the front straight. Um, what a crowd it's been. And you can barely walk through the paddock, even at 5 a.m. this morning when we came in stopping and talking to very knowledgeable fans here, Krills. Jack's a proper
8: cargo. I'm surprised quarter to eight in the morning, I'm surprised he's not still down there, <laughs> just poking around. Oh, what have you done to the rear axle on this thing? Or oh, you getting an LS in that, or what have you done? Cool thing though, and cool Chemical Guys and Rides and Coffee have been a great part of this event, but it, it, it's an event, yeah. not just a car race now, and it's what one of the biggest evolutions of the Ripco Bathurst 12-hour has been, is that yeah, sure, there's a heap of on-track product, and we've had some great Support category racing. In fact, I'd urge you to get onto the Baptist 12, our YouTube channel, and check out the finish to the combined sedans race (laughs) yesterday because it was last corner. (laughs) Ah, Hero stuff. Amazing. No spoilers. But there is so much to do on and off the track, like ride a T Rex around. (laughs) Rexy. I mean, that's normal. It's not the kind of wildlife we're used to seeing here (laughs) 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 out in Panorama hopping around the
0: top of the mountain, but. We've seen some sights over the journey, and we've seen plenty of sights this weekend as well. It's great to see so many people here this weekend, and we saw it when we rolled into town early this week, just the campsites so alone, how many were full early in the week.
1: It's, uh, this race continues to grow in stature. Some great sight lines as well at the top of the mountain if you're an amateur photographer or you're just late pointing your camera at race cars and let's be honest why wouldn't you no big high catch fencing there so you get some cracking panning shots or if you're clever and you've got a really fast shutter speed and you can freeze the cars going through get a nice depth of field with all of you back down into the paddock it is it's a great place to come i know that many of the rsl collective all around the world at the moment is uh, are planning to come next year. It's an un- uh, unusual way to do your lap chart there, from <laughs> pearl one.
8: Um, <laughs> I think just getting in early ahead of the Repco Bathurst 1000 in October, when you might need a scarf, yeah, you knit need scarf. a
0: scarf, beanie, shorts, t-shirt, yeah, ponds, exactly. and thermals all yeah. in the one
8: day. Won't need it this weekend, but start knitting now, and I reckon by October, ready to go. This mm. is our race leader. It's Manti EMA. A bit of a joint forces operation between. One of the most successful GT teams in the history of everything in man racing and EMA Motorsport, which is an Aussie squad headed up by Alex Frains, They've been around for a long time, now running a multi-car operation in Porsche Carrera Cup Australia and in Fanatec GT World Challenge Australia. And this is the leading car. They, they ran in the DTM last year and won it, which was an awesome job. So really cool to see what this program is achieving and they're putting their best foot forward. And...
1: in front 6.5 seconds the leading margin and we've gone through a, another race hour now under 10 hours to go how i always like the uh, the on-board shots to see how the drivers are coping with what's going on i remember the overhead shot we had at the bentley back down through the years and just seeing the paucity of movement how still they are how relaxed they are you would not think he was pulling the speed he's doing. You would think he was driving it around the paddock at the moment. And that's what you want. That's a driver that is at one with himself and the car.
0: At one with himself in the car. He's just done the fastest lap of the race when we just took that on board a 3-2. And it looks like he's heading down to Macca's for his Sunday morning coffee. So 6.9 seconds, the gap first to second. And you're right, John, just looks incredibly calm behind the wheel of this car. And that's how you want to drive. I mean, the energy burnt is energy wasted. And if you're moving around too much or, you know, worried about the rear vision mirror, just focus on your inputs, focus on the job at hand for you. And uh, that's how you go fast. And Guven proving that. So that Porsche continues to show speed. Here we see Valentino Rossi going to work on the rear bumper of Jules Gounon. So Rossi continues to impress on his second visit to Mount Panorama.
1: I think Creel's point that he's had another year of GT racing in this car and building his experience. He did one of the support races at Le Mans. He's been out uh, to the 24 hours at Dubai and done some racing there. In fact, he did that before he came here uh, last year. Uh, Just getting that confidence. Everybody in the team says he's been a sponge for information. He's not come in with any kind of attitude and let's be honest if anybody deserves and perhaps uh, justifies having a bit of swagger uh, you know nine world championships in 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 uh, motorcycling across the classes uh, he knows what he's doing on a bike he'll have had to relearn racing lines because you've got a lot more grip and a more contact patch in the cars but he's done that and he's done it in a way that. Basically, he turned to the team and said, oh, treat me like a rookie. Yeah. And it's not fun. It's not like I'm just here to have a
0: bit of a oh, laugh no. and something no. to do post-Moto GP to fill my time in. Like, this is, I'm here, I'm going to do this properly. Every time you walk past the garage, if he's not doing an autograph session, he's oh. in the data, Mahal, working hard, trying to understand what it is that he needs to do. Nick, so
1: Nick Percat in the lane yep. from the Invitational Class in that number 10. See Matt Stone Racing Mark GT. That's a mean looking thing, isn't it? Now they are doing full service up on that high. Just have to look at the brake yeah. calibers there. Maybe it's, it's a little bit off
0: sequence, so yeah. I'm
1: wondering whether they felt there
0: was an issue with that car. Weitz has got around Rossi, so that's a change of position. Charles Wirtz up to fourth, Rossi back to fifth. So within the space of one lap, Rossi's gone from looking to battle to grab third off going on to now losing a spot to his teammate in Charles Wirtz in the shell,
1: number 32 BMW M4. Well, that must have happened either at, M- at Murray's or yeah. at the first corner. at yeah, that's right. So I wonder whether
0: maybe a bit of traffic amongst all that. So... Here we go on board with Valentino Rossi. It's a good bit deep here. Just misses the apex at Murray's and up on the curb and snaps sideways. So you're right, John. It happened at both those corners you mentioned. Didn't get the run off the final corner. And Charles Weirts didn't need a second invitation to shove it up the inside down
1: here at turn one. Rossi let him go. Yeah, I was going to say, if yeah. that's not his teammate, he maybe defends a little bit yeah. more. Yeah. Certainly later on in the race, he'll defend a little bit more. As soon
0: as you you made that mistake at the final corner, if it was anyone other than your teammate, you're just shutting the door straight away to not give anyone that opportunity to get the pass done at Turn 1. But you can look at the gap that that's given Jules Goon on now. He's scampered up the road near on three seconds after the two BMWs were battling over fourth and fifth. Here's our race leader putting down its, its teammate a lap down, Yasha Shaheen, who leads... The pro am class, so that's
1: 13th now. He's lap down, yep. yeah. so everybody beyond 12th, which is Craig Lowndes in the two, uh, is a lap back. Yasser will that again. That's that is not an issue for Yasser and that 911 numbered car. He's he's looking for pro am and he's still ahead of uh, Jack LeBrock, and that's the car he got. Uh, Jack LeBrock in the Mercedes, number 48, and Jeffrey Ebrahim also in the Mercedes. They are also right there. So first, second, and third. The prime now sits 13th, 14th, and 15th. Uh, and there's a bit of, bit of real estate between them. The, the car I think will
8: worry about going a lap down is the next one in line, which is Craig Lowndes and Scott Taylor Motorsport. So that's a full pro operation. They need to stay on the lead lap They're a minute and 55 behind now. Joel Erickson. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he's flying. 2.029. And the reason for that is, A, we're getting more evidence that the Porsches are really good over a stint length, right towards the end of a stint. And, B, we're getting close towards that pit stop shuffle, which today is going to be a case of inlaps and outlaps are going to win you the race. Because it's 85 seconds, whatever you do, through pit lane. So how you attack the circuit before the pit stop, and I think especially after it, is going to dictate how this race plays out. And in a race that traditionally is one where track position is king. If you can get up front, you will have a much, much better chance of staying there than if you're trying to race your way to the front. Um, those laps are going to be important. So that's why the energy builds
1: just before a pit stop and why it's so high just after it. What was it, Garth, that Jill Gunon was talking to us about earlier in the week when they uh with an hour to go last year that didn't put tyres on his car and he's like, yeah, okay, we want track position and he's like, yeah, like I'm going to be able to hold on to track position when I've got somebody chasing down with with brand new tyres on, except he did. did. Exactly, that was the key thing
8: about that whole comment there when he said that and yeah, I mean, if you're in front it's much harder to be the overtaking car in these cars especially because the braking distances are so short and they carry so much mid-corner speed to pull a move off when you've got two equally matched world-class drivers is really challenging we jump on board and the run up the hill and uh, the Shell power Manti EMA car behind Yasha Shahin in front I should say
0: Yes, it just rolled out of it there Nicely before done. the braking zone into turn two for both. David Reynolds going through. Dave Reynolds and Jules on the, the, the track position thing is right at the end of the stint. Yes. But if you buy track position through the pit stop cycle, you come out on cold tyres in yeah. the front, and the car behind you is on a warm second stint tyre. You'll get mugged. The track position, you lose it yeah. very quickly. So... That's going to be a real key difference, I think, for the last round of pit stops as we get closer towards the end of the day. How do you do your last stop? Do you make sure you double stint your tyres for the last one just so that you come out of the pits and you're on it straight away after what we saw Jules Gounon do last year?
8: Charles Viet squeezing past Yasser, who's dealing with these leading cars at the top of Mount Panorama. I'm sure the team at Shell V-Power Motorsport Park in South Australia are watching on. The Bend, which is the circuit that the Shahin family have invested an enormous amount of money in. Cool new drag strip they've built there. Garth, massive amount of people turning out for top fuel racing recently. The National Drag Racing Championship going along nicely. 30,000 people turn up to the first event there to see top fuel cars. Very cool and a great investment for Australian Motor Racing. If we go back and find the Lamborghini. So David Wall... Still shown behind the wheel of this car. Yeah. Just looking at the, the helmet. Pit stop in, so he's double stinting. Yeah, double yeah. stinting. One of
0: the few that did double stint at the start of the race. So just trying to get this car into the race and settled. Get through that craziness of the start in the dark and uh, the first round of pit stops. David Wall, incredibly experienced campaigner. Running this car for Adrian Dietz. Tony Delberto and Grant Denya also aboard. So four drivers in the Gen 2 Lamborghini Huracan.
1: So the Audi is the Luke Yildon car. That's who, effectively, that's who they're racing. About half a lap between those two. So Yildon as well has double
0: stinted, so... Those two drivers we picked up in the silver class are the only two that have double-stinted at the start. Oh, Yildon a little bit wide down at the chase.
8: Gets away with that one. Pretty good guys at life to double-stint, though, Luke Yildon and David Wall. They've here done comes, a lot. Here comes Yildon now. So that was a timely pick-up. Don't forget, if you're watching our coverage internationally and you'd like to see more of this well next weekend is the opening round of the retco supercars championship and if you're watching outside of australia you can watch that via superview which is available at supercars.com i know shay adam is a subscriber she's on board with that checks out all the supercars racing so catch that it kicks off next weekend with the thrifty bathurst 500 so two 250k races two top ten shootouts and all the other associated fun. Great support race program too and looking forward to that. So supercars.com forward slash superview. If you're around the world watching our coverage and there is an enormous amount of people doing so uh, jump on uh, board. Yes.
1: Yeah, I'll be tuned in next weekend. So standard stop. Nobody running around. There's no need to hurry. You can't buy time. In these 85 second stops, what you'll also notice as well is even when the tyres are done, the car does not drop down onto the ground. That's a regulation, and I like it. If you're going to be fueling the car, it's got to be off the ground or on the ground. It can't be both. So obviously, if you're not changing tyres, it stays on the ground. If you are changing tyres, it goes up. The fuel hose goes in, and only when that hose comes out will the mechanic pop the valve at the back of the car and drop the car down. And that's a safety measure. You do not want the car going either up or down while the hose is still in. Now they fire up
8: and drive away. Velmont is a business owned by Sergio Perez and Marcel Zalua, the commercial interiors business. Very successful. Those two boys have been in business for a long time. They've been teammates forever, but only driving the same car for a short amount of time because in the past they were racing Wadback Porsches against each other, which made it much more competitive. <laughs> yes. Now they've got the same goal to get there rather than knocking each other off. But they're really passionate about going motor racing. Had a good campaign going last year in a Mercedes AMG. Unfortunately, that car crashed out at the top of Mount Panorama midway through the race. Really good-looking race car. Speaking to Marcel Zaloua the other day, he said, we're stuck with this this purple and yellow and blue thing now because it's become so popular yeah. they're going to have to commit to it. It's a bit like Adrian Dietz in his uh, livery on the Lamborghini. It's
0: Lee Holdsworth aboard the number nine Audi. Halfway through his stint, currently down in 17th in the Pro Am class. There's Jackson Evans, suited and booted. Oh no,
8: Sebastian Boos. Yeah. Very similar helmets, those two. So this has been a really good job from Phantom Global. Yeah. They're running ninth, yeah. Joel Erickson behind the wheel at the moment. And they're, yeah, they're on the same window as pretty much everyone else around them. So 29 laps since their last stop. It looks like they're coming in soon. i the fist bumps there for Bastian getting himself and the crew fired up for a stop. But they've played themselves in really
1: nicely. And at the moment, only 46 seconds away from the race lead. Yeah, on and Charles Wurtz putting in their fastest laps of the race last time around. We're burning that fuel down. Here we go again, Garth. This is the intensity getting really ramped up as we come to the end of this next stanza, the end of this next 27, 28, whatever it is, laps as Yasser gives up another position, but that's fine. He's uh, still holding on to... No, no, that was Jack. That was position. Football. And yeah. for position not only on track but
0: in class Rex. as well. So the M Motorsport, AMG, Mercedes taking over the lead of that one as some of our front runners come to the lane. Jaden Ojeda and Joel Erickson. Line of stern on track. Line of stern in pit lane.
1: You've got to be so careful you don't run into the car in front <laughs> when right. they hit the anchors and haul it down to the pit lane speed limit that's eighth and ninth then coming in for a scheduled pit stop and the 85 second starts as you go through that pit
0: control yeah, line as you hit the pit limiter so that was why joel erickson was trying to make up as much time as he could because the 85 seconds hadn't kicked in then so he made up a car length or two did erickson sticky right front but again yeah. that's no problem Plenty of time, time that. exactly yeah, don't panic So tyre changes for both cars, so they'll leave pit lane on a cold tyre. Doesn't look like Jade No Jade has jumped out of that car, so he's double stinting at this stage. We do know that Bastion Booth is getting aboard
8: the number 13 Phantom Global Porsche. Now, critically, Liam Talbot picks car number 22. So Liam's been in that car for 32 laps and more than one hour. He has ticked the box from a driving time point of view. There is a chance we won't see Liam drive again today, but that's fine from a regulatory point of view. He's good to go. And Christopher Harser, who is supremely fast and supremely good at this place, will take over. Triple two in the lane as well. And this round of stops, for the time being at least, will stop them from going a lap down but they are slightly out of sequence compared to our race leaders.
0: The 22 Audi was the first of the front runners to come to the lane in the
8: first round of pit stops.
0: Here comes the number 32, Charles, yeah, Charles Wirtz. So he drops out of fourth spot. Will Brown and the 888 AMG Mercedes. So they're all coming to the lane roughly the same time. Marcus Winklehock,
1: he's in. And we saw people who went long in the... In the first round of pit stops, got the advantage. And
8: Jules Gounon, Gals has pointed out doing Jules Gounon things, <laughs> sets the car's quickest lap of the
1: race. Second lap in a row, done that. Yeah. Just ramping up, as we were talking about, just ramping up that intensity again. So, what he's
0: hoping for is David Reynolds to pit a lap earlier than him, yep. so that Gunon gets one lap of clear track, because he's currently stuck under the rear wing, four tenths of a second behind Reynolds as it stands. Triple two team Scott Taylor Motorsport continue
1: to go to work on their AMG Mercedes and Rossi's car going long again and longer than its teammate exactly as it did last time. This time it's Valentino behind the wheel and Chan Guvan as well in the nine one two with probably another couple of laps. The Porsche was the last of those yeah. leading cars to stop remembering that first round of stops.
8: That's what gave them that overcut staying out a little bit longer the longer the race remains green, the longer that plays into the way the day plays out. Because if you buy two laps at the first pit stop, you buy another two at the second round of pit stops, you buy another two at the third, probably nine pit stops to do this race if it stays relatively green the whole way through. By the end of the day, that's a lot of extra laps you're gaining, even if it's only two here and two there. So the 32 BMW back on the road, showing Dries Ventor behind the wheel. Did Will Brown stay aboard car triple A? Double stint? Saying that at the moment, we didn't Wait, see the, timing the to stop.
4: Luck. Yeah, I believe Will Brown is double stinting in this one, guys. And check out the pit stop time on that one from Will Brown. One minute 25.1. Oh. 85.1 <laughs> seconds in pit lane. Yeah, so you do. You have that timer in the car that counts
0: down. So you—that's what
4: it works to. (laughs)
1: You
0: you try and get down to that. Like as soon as it goes green, you are limiter off and go. So here's a couple into the lane. We're just told Tracy. Oh, Paul, taking a bit too much curb on entry to pit lane, and David Wall giving him
8: a bit of a hurry up. It's, it's not an Indy car, Paul. doesn't yeah. have all that downforce to help not, slow it
1: down. Not the Just, first to have a moment on no. pit entry here at Bathurst. Do, doesn't have ABS either, so it'll not quite pull up as quickly as the GT3 cars, and that is something that people have to be aware of. Last year's winner, in fact, last two years' winning car, well, this is actually the car that won the race last year. It had been retired, a one-and-done race winner here at Bathurst, and put into a museum in New York, into uh, the sixth floor of a building, and they decided the uh, they were going to un-retire it. <laughs> Get out and
8: crane it out. There's quite a high global demand for GT3 cars at the moment, so the manufacturers can't spit them out quick enough. So they had to go back to last year's Chassis Sun Energy 1 racing. So that will be Kenny Habal jumping aboard that car now, yep. much in the same way that Liam Talbot has already done his driving time in 22. We expect this to be Kenny's stint for the day. So he'll jump aboard in his quest for three Bathurst victories. And Gunon jumps out after a very good stint in car 75. Valentino Rossi jumped out of his car, and Lello, Raffaele Marcello will jump. Jump on board car 46. So that's particularly exciting. Love watching that guy go to work.
0: Yeah, so maybe a little bit long on the driver change there for the Sun Energy 1 team. Car controller with a bit of urgency wanting that car to get out of pit lane in a hurry. Here comes our race leader into the lane. So they've gone super long again in the 912 Mante EMA Porsche. And... Does Guvan stay aboard the car or does he jump out? I
8: think for one of flexibility for driver time you pop oh, Matt Campbell oh, oh, in oh, now. Oh, oh, and that's a hairy little moment for Will the Brown storage car. So will stay aboard that car and work its way past the second of the two Method Motorsport. McLaren's Tom Heyman behind the wheel of nice the by Tom higher
1: car. Yeah, no, nice driving by Tom Heyman that to realised that the faster car coming down the inside wasn't going to make it
4: into the pit lane. So, leader in the pits, and so is Judd. Yeah, I get the reason why they were so quick to get the 75 out of pit lane. Check out the pit lane time, guys 106.8 seconds. They just lost 20 seconds in that stop, and I wonder if it's because uh, maybe Kenny's still suffering a little bit with that back and they were worried about the driver change being a weak point for him this week.
0: Yeah, it looked like the driver change was a little longer than anticipated. It's a good point that you make, Chad. Kenny Habul still suffering from back injuries after a monster shunt in the lead-up to the Spa 24-hour race last year.
8: Off our race leader prior to this put-stop cycle goes. So, interesting comparison here with Lello left of screen, Rutt Marcello in car 46. And we wait for the pit exit for Grello. So Lello and Grello. Oh, no. <laughs> sorry. Uh, out of pit lane. So clear. And the 912 looks like it's going to retain a, a net race lead here through all of this. Five
1: point seven by the way, the pit stop time there. Rafael and Marcello, uh, his first competitive laps as a BMW yep. driver. Yep. Uh, that's, that's a that's...
0: strange thing to get my head around. Yeah. Yeah. Now that he's made the jump from AMG, at some point Porsche need to hire him. Yeah. And, he needs and to drive yeah.
1: the Grillo car. Oh, my
8: goodness. Yeah. It just makes sense to it, me oh, that totally, that has to happen. Totally. <laughs> Given the opportunity at BMW to do some top-level oh. sports car racing in the FIA World Endurance Championship, I'm sure we'll do some IMSA as well in the uh, GTP car, which is really cool. So let's go back and take a look at how this race has played out. We're two and a half hours into the Repco Bathurst, 12-hour now. Awesome start, as always. Massive crowd watching on from the hill at Murray's Corner and indeed at the top. That iconic shot coming over the rise, past the winery on Mountain Straight. This was a drive through penalty for overtaking under safety car for David Russell. And this was a broken drive shaft for the Genetta Harry King,
0: a little bit wide up at Reed Park, got away with that one. And then it really ramped up prior to the first round of pit stops. It was Sheldon van der Linde that led early. And then once the pit stops took off, did the race come alive? And there's traffic everywhere as everyone's leaving the lane, trying to get up to speed. Some cars on cold tyres, some cars double stinting tyres, going long on their tyre sets. And the 912 Mante EMA Porsche jumped this lot as they went to war within the first hour of a 12-hour race. The two BMWs were battling over track position. Former Bathurst 1000 winner Lee Holdsworth just clipped the inside wall on the run down to the dipper. They had to come in for a quick check on that. Valentino Rossi, the smallest of mistakes at the final corner, was the only invitation that his teammate Charles Wirtz needed to get up the inside into turn one. And that was a swap for position. Anchan Guvan just disappeared up the road. Manta EMA played a blinder in the first round of pit stops to get them track position,
8: and Guvon did the job from there. Pit stop number two for second of the Manta EMA Porsches, and then M Motorsport will go to work as well on Car 48. They've got Erebus guys assisting with this program this weekend. Remember about Erebus Motorsport? Uh, yep, supercar champions, but they actually started in GT racing. Correct. Right, right here, here with an SLS AMG, a Gullwing won the race in twenty thirteen, which was the start of their supercar's journey. So it's cool to have them back in the paddock as well. The Prelly leaderboards will show you the order after that round of the pit stop, so it's Guven remaining in 912 for a double stint. Philippe Fraga's jumped aboard the 130. Marciello aboard the 46. And Dries Vanthor aboard the 32. Then we find Will Brown, who's remained aboard car 888. So a couple of teams doing different things as far as double stinting some drivers earlier. We go back and find Brad Schumacher, who's now taken over car 2. So that's that split strategy working for the MPC Audis. And then we go back to the triple 2 car, which has Craig Lowndes remaining behind the wheel. Class leaders a little bit further down. Curry Gray and Donaldson looking strong early in triple one in the MRA Motorsport Mark II entry and reflected in the class leaderboards. It's the 91 car leading the Invitational class. Marcel Zalua leading Silver for Valmont Racing and Griffo, great supporter of this race, the AMG GT4 leading the way in the GT4 class. Griffo loves this race. It it is his weekend out every year passionate supporter of Aussie Motorsport and looking forward to the continued rise of GT4 racing in Australia, which is going to kick some goals this year. Talk of somewhere between 16 to 20 cars for the domestic GT4. Category I was talking to Rod Wilson from Zagami Automotive in Melbourne and they've got six McLaren Artura GT4s coming their way. There's a host of BMWs coming into the country. we have seen Method Motorsport here with their two McLarens. Exciting times for GT
1: racing in Australia. I love GT4, I think it's a great category, really is, and uh, more power to the elbow for encouraging people. New GT4 machinery from Ford as well, with the new GT4 Mustang, and we've got a new Aston Martin Vantage at GT4 as well. Aston launching their race cars before the road car on which it is based <laughs> had been seen, and that's uh. It was really brave of them, causing uh, Robin Liddell's team in the States, actually, uh, Rebel Rock Racing, they ran it in a sort of automotive zebra camel type, a team of camel type uh, livery at uh, Daytona a couple of weekends ago. These two BMWs
8: locked together again. again. As they have been since... They swapped around the again. And and that set. extra lap
1: again yep. has done exactly what it did the first time around. This time it's third and fourth for these guys. Just looking at the lead,
0: guys, the 912 Porsche over the 130 AMG Mercedes. And they're the same two cars that were first and second prior to the pit stop. But the gap now, and I'm waiting... You often get to get caught out and wait for the timing screen to reset. But the gap's out to 22 seconds. Yeah. It was five before that previous pit stop. So... Whether it's traffic... I mean, Felipe Fraga's last lap was a 208. So as he continues to get back up to speed after the pit stop cycle... But... 22 seconds first to second a gain of some 17 seconds through that pit stop cycle is immense well i, I presume chan left his tires on well that's well. what the only thing i can think is so, but so that's, he's given... that's not 17 seconds
1: that's that's five a seconds big chunk of time five or four or five seconds a lot it wouldn't be that much Can't no way truly. so
0: there's more to that story but mante ema continued to play a blinder with the 912 car and strategy let's hear from shay in pit lane
6: no matter how much fun we are having broadcasting this race, it doesn't even come close to what Liam Talbot got this morning. Liam, you don't need coffee when you get laps around Mount Panorama,
11: but what was it like as the sun was coming up? Yeah, it was super cool. Obviously, it's you go over skyline through the S's and you can't see because of the sun coming up, uh, so that adds to the excitement. But oh, it's so much fun out there You're in a GT3 car, laps of Mount Panorama. Wow. It
6: seems like everyone's kind of behaving themselves so far this morning. We were talking about how the elbows aren't quite out yet. When are you expecting to see this uh, nervous energy start to manifest?
11: Yeah, well, it's good. It's an endurance race, so you need to play into the race and don't push too hard too soon. Sometimes you get caught up in someone's accident. So, yeah, fingers crossed say is a bit more clean and uh, see what we can do.
6: What's the rest of your day look like? You want to go back out for more laps, I know.
11: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'll get another stint. I'll uh, put my hand up. I'll put it up, like, extra high. But, yeah, super cool, part of the team and whatever it takes. So, big thanks to MPC and Audi Sport for putting this on. And uh, happy birthday, Penny, and hi, Kenzie, and hi, Theodora.
6: Good luck the rest of the way.
11: Thank you. This
1: smile that you can only get from doing the early morning stint at Mount Panorama. Just under nine and a half hours to go. We're still watching the opening exchanges here on the mountain. Valentino Rossi having completed his stint and straight into the data. He's worked hard and hauling a a GT3 car around here. We are having this chat earlier on the week, Garth, weren't we? It's easy to drive a GT3 car with all these, uh, all these aids nowadays. These drivers don't know. They're born, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Some of the most uninformed comments oh, they could possibly have.
0: I love it when people tell me it's easy to drive a GT3 car because they've got ABS and traction control and a huge <laughs> amount of aero. So, righto, you go have a go and see if you can get within one second of the pros that drive these things. Because I've tried and I've done a lap or two around here and it is hard work. So for Valentino, that battle that he had straight out of pit lane after the first round of pit stops and the pace that he had to stay on the rear bumper of Gilles Gounon all the way through that stint was seriously impressive. So the 46 car with Raffaello Maciello aboard now continues to run third. And the 46 car slowly making its way towards the front. Started from ninth. And just
8: picking them off one by one. And there's to be fair, there's a point to be made about that as well, about the the bronze drivers that do an unbelievable job to get even within a fraction yeah. of those guys that are in the car and Kenny Habul's actually he's come out this morning. Um, and talking about that gentleman driver yeah. tag being overrated because they're not, they 're not are they work as hard at their driving as any of the pros do, and to get within a few tenths of those guns in those cars is a huge achievement Have you seen kenny 's state of physical fitness oh, yeah. by the way he 's ripped he's, yeah. he got on it after that crash hasn 't he yeah.
0: oh, works. Is, hes gone right works, up hard. works hard at the driving too. It's you know it 's not their primary source of income but the, the gentleman tag probably came from early DT yeah. driving, and it's yeah. moved beyond that now. Like these guys—your you Kenny Habulz, your Yasir your Liam Talbots, your Brad Schumachers—they are not gentlemen drivers.
1: Stefan Vendel at AMG uh, likes to say late-starting
0: professionals, <laughs>
5: yeah.
1: and I yeah. kind of like yeah. that tag. Uh, Lackey Heinz up on the top of the mountain said uh, he's just uh, talking about Kenny. He's just diving down the inside of somebody into Skyline. He's lit. He's got the afterburners on, and he's he's in traffic at the moment, and he's he's doing the job that he's out there to do. Keep that car in contention. Keep all the little bits of carbon fibre on the front of it, and get through this stint.
8: It's a good little battle pack, too, as he looks down the inside Sorry. of the elbow. Yeah. Is that like Grant Denya? The Audi? It's v uh, it's, uh, V10 of some yep, description. Yep, Lambo. Sorry. Sorry. Well, Grant did his first six of Mount Panorama earlier in the weekend as well in this brand-new Lamborghini. Busy boy, TV lands, lives just the other side of Mount Panorama, proper Bathurst local, mm. and he's in his first in in that car. So Kenny gets by. He's got No Ojeda behind him. That's for track position. And then Bastion Boost, who should be pretty rapid aboard the Phantom Global car, he's actually just got past No Ojeda. So that Porsche continues its march forward. This is the National Motor Racing Museum. It is one of the absolute must-visit places when you come to this part of the world because it's not just the history of Mount Panorama documented here. It is all of Australia's motor racing history dating way, way back. There's some cool stuff, four wheels and two, and right now in there uh, is a special tribute to Chrysler and the history of that brand at Mount Panorama. It is well worth a look at let's jump down to the line. we're on board with car 46 a guy that's just jumped out of it is valentino rossi he's with shay adam
6: valentino that was quite the start for you coming out of the pit lane and straight into the action how much have you learned in the last year since you were at bathurst to do that battling out on the track I'm very
10: happy of the um, improvement from last year. Last year uh, was uh, the first race for the team with the car. So we improved a lot of the car, but also during the, the, the last year I also improved the driving and uh, the way to bring at the limit the, the GT3. And I'm happy because I'm a lot faster than last year, and uh, my stint was uh, was very good. I can fight all the stint uh, together with uh, with Guignon that won last year, and is very fast, and also with uh, with Charles, with Verst, with my teammate, and uh, was good. I enjoy a lot. Uh, we are on the fight. I mean, uh, the Porsche looks a bit too fast, but the race is very long. We need to understand our performance when we become more hot. Good luck the rest of the way. Thank you. Ciao.
2: Had not to be impressed by that look, guy.
1: Look, I, we've talked about him already, but he's not messing about. We were talking about this uh, earlier in the week, Garth, weren't we? He's not come here to make up the numbers. This is not a vanity project. He's come to be a race driver. And by no means is he a weak link in that car. We've just seen him. He's, he's lapped. Stint average was a two or five flat in that first session, that first stint that he did. Yeah, he he said that. He
0: said, I was on the rear bumper of Jules
1: Gounon and he won the race last year. I'm pretty happy about that. And he should should be. be. (laughs) He
0: should be. I mean, John, you've seen a lot more of him than we have here in Australia. The rate of his improvement has been seriously rapid. That's a, the wrong line across the top of the mountain there for Mark Griffith, and that car has come to the lane just probably for another check to make sure it's all okay after having that moment across Skyline. But Rossi,
1: his improvement year on year has been staggering. That's you know confidence in the car, confidence in himself. Uh, he'd raced a couple of GT three cars with his friends in the past before it all got as serious as it did, and his first opening was in a an Audi. Uh, with WRT, with Vincent Foster's team. And, you know, one, when they switched to BMW, that just ratcheted everything up. And I know that he he would not be here if he didn't believe he could do it. He does not want to be at the weak link, and he's not. And he said to Vincent right from the start, you've got to be honest with me. And they have been, and he's good. Yeah. He is just good. Rather annoyingly, he's a lovely bloke <laughs> as well. a ripping guy. A, a fun valet fact, he's also a damn fine DJ as well because at the, the, the last party that WRT had after a, a couple of test days at Spa, they took over one of the hostelries down in the, the town centre uh, and round about midnight, valet went onto the decks and proved that he could beat, mix and uh, do all the DJ things, uh, not just on vinyl, but on the, uh, the digital side of things as well. And a good time was had by all. I've seen some video of it. He's just, he's living his best life. More power to his elbow. Yep, Fantastic. Absolutely. and it it does listen as somebody who i live and breathe endurance racing and if it shines a light on endurance racing and it brings some of his fans from the two-wheel world to come and have a look at this i think anybody who likes motorsport would love what we're seeing now and what we see throughout the gt3 calendar and endurance racing calendar up to and including le mans of course this year if it brings more people in I'm, I'm very, very happy. Yeah, no, wrong that. with that. No.
0: Here's the number 130 AMG Mercedes with Felipe Fraga at the wheel, coming across one of the GT4 McLarens across the top of the skyline. And it has just popped up on our timing screen that the 130 AMG is under investigation for the pit stop. So that's the last pit stop cycle. Fraga does get up the inside, and Raffaello Martiello in the number 46 BMW that he shares with Valentina Rossi and here's the 701 Vortex, the invitational car. And that looks to me like McPhillamy and potentially, if it can't get out of there, which I think it will struggle, this is the first yellow flag intervention now. Will it be...
1: Julian, full
0: course yellow. Or will it be safety car? So we wait, as will
1: all of pit lane stand to attention right now. As Julian Bolu... Behind the wheel of that car. It looks like he lost it on the way in. Yes, he did. The Uh, car got light. There we go. Safety car. Full safety car, importantly. So that will mean that we see for the first time in the race the BMW XM coming out of the pit lane. An utterly brilliant piece of BMW M Sport engineering. Only the second time they've ever been responsible for a full car. And despite the fact that... We're only, what, 8, 10 laps, depending on where you are in your your cycle. But it is very early on, so a third of the way into the cycle. We're thinking about coming into the pit lane. Now, remember, as soon as you put the fuel hose on, it's an 85-second stop. So what are you going to do here? Are you going to just change tyres? And put in, if you're double stinting tyres, do you put a new set no, of tyres on you're not, you're and warm doing, them up?
0: You know, after eight laps after a stop, you're not just doing tyres. So here you, 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 you're altering your fuel window. Yep, so you, the rule of thumb is that once you've done half a tank of fuel, you come to the lane. Just because we saw the 46 WRT crew standing attention tension doesn't mean they're actually coming to the lane. That's standard procedure. See a safety car, get ready, wait for the call.
1: Right, the investigation continues with the uh, AMG number 130. Let's uh, have a word with David Reynolds and find out what's going on. Uh, Morning, David. Uh, good morning, everyone. How are you today? Uh, we're very well. How are you, more importantly, sir? Uh, yeah, very early start, but I am chipper for this moment, yes. <laughs> AMG factory driver, Dave Reynolds. Uh, let's get this one out of the way, first of all, before it starts getting busy in the lane. Uh, what went on in, in the lane
11: that's being looked at at the moment? Uh, to be absolutely honest, I have no idea. I just I was standing here about to do the interview, and it popped up, so... I haven't gone and asked the boys yet, but I don't. I'm pretty sure I didn't speed in pit lane. Um, no, J- uh, Reynolds, yes. Tander here. Uh,
0: in, uh, there's a bit of chat around that potentially you did more than the 32 lap
11: maximum on your tank of fuel. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But, so like, obviously, we clarified this last night with the race director, and they just don't want us to do um, 32 or 33 laps under full, like full. Uh, what do you call it, full quality mode. So, you know, if it's up to the driver to save some fuel and, and like I was in my seat, I had to hit a certain number and it was really, really hard with all the blokes behind me and I was sitting second on the road. So, you know, I, I was able to go one or two laps longer than everyone else. Just hearing, actually, I yeah. think it was an
1: aero adjustment really. that was going on and oh, so our replay crew working really hard to... Find that bit of tape. So there's a bit of wing adjustment. Right, let's put that to one side uh, and find out what the uh, the upshot of that is afterwards. Tell us about the start of the race,
9: David. <laughs> I
11: mean, not not only do you wear all the nice AMG clothing, the Tommy Hill <laughs> Hilfiger gear, yeah, but you get to start it. the race. Yeah, mate. I feel a million uh, dollars in this in this stuff. So I'm I'm really proud to be part of the AMG family. And uh, yeah, I hope I can do them proud today. Yeah, my first stint uh, was really good. Mara gave me the car in set in third position. We we end- exit the lane in second and I held my own in front of uh, three-time champion, Jules, and it was like a really good dogfight because my my car wasn't very good at the bottom of the hill, but it was really fast across the top, so I felt like I could make the distance across the top and he would catch me up uh, around the slower stuff. And there was, you know, we were also... He was probably managing fuel and I was managing fuel as well, so it made it a really tough um, first in for me, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Davey Krause here, mate. Good morning. Good morning, Uh, (laughs) Krause.
8: Just for those that might not be aware, just tell us how this relationship came
11: together. Um, so yeah, I've done this race a number of times. Uh, m- more importantly, I've done it in the AMG side, but uh, my friend Mara Engel, uh, contacted me over Christmas and said, "Hey mate, um, do you want to come race with me at the 12-hour?" And I said, "Yep, 100% percent i mean You didn't you didn't have didn't have to finish the sentence for me to say yes. So it was like a really cool Christmas present he gave me because I know like he's so fast at this track and he's so good in these cars. And you know I love learning more about this championship and more about these cars. And he's like probably at the top of his game and he's so good at it. And I've just thoroughly enjoyed working with him.
1: Dave, we've been speculating about how this 85 second pit stop calculation is impacting the strategy what have you guys been talking about and particularly as it uh, as it comes down towards
11: the end of the race in, in 9 and a quarter hours time uh, so, yeah, it sort of just adds another element of, you know, difficult, difficultiness to this race because normally it's just been a, a clear-cut race and, you know, fastest pit stop, and you know, there's another element that sort of takes that element out and everyone has the same pit stop time. So, you know, it's really down to, you know, how much fuel you can save on the track and how fast your car can go. You know, the Porsche looks very, very fast at the minute, um, but I think we're in the hunt for, you know, a top three at least. Uh, if, if the chances, if, if there's a possibility to win, I'm pretty sure Mario when he's in the car's, Going to take it, but hopefully our car can uh, balance itself out as the race goes on. Because you know, on, on the fresh tire it was quite good, but on the on the low tanks and the old tire, it started to move around a bit and made my job really difficult. But uh, yeah, the, the pit stop time set for everyone, so you have to take that out. Davey,
8: very quickly, there's some pit stops happening, but just cast your eyes forward. Seven days, Thrifty Bathurst 500
11: coming <laughs> up. How are you feeling? Uh, yeah, I'm um, I'm really excited to start with my with my new team, Team 18, and uh, yeah. I'm going I'm I'm not going to worry about that on Monday, I'm going to worry about this race today. And then, you know, relearn everything again for my right-hand drive. No ABS, no traction control, supercar that does 300Ks instead of 270Ks with, you know, a third of the amount of, or a quarter of the amount, of, amount of downforce. So, yeah, it's a completely different car. So, you know, it's really, really hard for me to come and drive these cars and be on the pace straight away because I only drive them once a year. And they're just so, so different than what I'm used to. Even the left-hand drive, I'm still getting used to it. But, you know, all in all, I think I'm holding my own and I'm doing okay. You're doing a super job, mate.
1: Thank you. Good
8: thanks, luck for the rest of always. the day. All the
1: best. See you later. Well done. Race well. So, two BMWs for WRT are the first to take advantage of an opportunity to come in. I didn't see tyres go on those cars, so they're leaving the warm, warmer Pirellis on there, but that's brim-filled again. It wouldn't have been a full fill, Garth, but no. that, that is changing their window and potentially opening up the tap- tactics here.
8: Well, while we are under the control of the brand-new BMW XM safety car, this seems like an opportune time to find out more about what makes this car tick.
6: For the 2024 Repco Bathurst 12-hour, the official safety car has been chosen as BMW, and BMW has brought the beautiful new XM to lead the field around. I'm here with Brendan Michelle, the product manager for BMW Australia. Brendan, this car is phenomenal intrinsically, but the racing aspect of it and the design, tell us a little bit about that.
7: Yeah, well, it is a fantastic car and we are very excited to be here at Bathurst this weekend with our very special, our first ever BMW XM. Uh, fantastic car, unbelievable drivetrain in this car. We've got a 4.4 litre twin turbo V8 uh, combined with the hybrid system in this car it's producing 480 kilowatts of power, top speed of 250 kilometres, 0 to 100 in 4.3 seconds, which is just unbelievable performance of a car that sits in this upper end of the luxury SUV segment here in Australia. Um, Also that uh, it's also got a uh, fully electric range for those that want to be a little bit more sustainable of up to 80 kilometres around town of fully electric driving, which is very impressive for a plug-in hybrid vehicle as well.
6: And this car, you talked a little bit about the speed, but the comfort, and we are going to get the car out on the track, the driver's comfort and the yeah. cockpit. Tell us a little bit about that.
7: Yeah, so it is a new interior design on this car with a big focus on, on the driver cockpit as well. So like traditional BMW fashion, uh, everything's angled and, and geared towards the driver uh, and getting the best out of performance of the car. Uh, no expenses spared in the in the interior of this car. Very luxurious on the interior.
6: We mentioned performance and that's what BMW is all about And especially when it comes to racing this car With very special ties to the GTP BMW V8 Hybrid as well
7: Yes, that's right A lot of the technology built into this hybrid car Has been copied across from our V8 Hybrid Which will start at Le Mans in June later this year
6: and, guys, for people at home who haven't gotten the privilege to see that car in IMSA competition last year, five podium finishes more than any other team, including the win at the Salem Six Hours of the Glen. It's going to have to last twice as long for this race, but I guarantee you, at some point during the 12 hours, this BMW will be leading the way.
1: And he's doing that exactly now. Oh. Ground-up design by BMW M Sport, taking in everything that they have learned down through the years, and when you think that the only other car that BMW M Sport have done in its entirety was the awesome BMW M1 back down through the years, a couple of people taking the opportunity to come in and refill. Their fuel tanks, but still having the 85 seconds, remember, from pit in to pit out, not taking tyres. They're keeping the warmer Pirellis on. We've got a guest in the Global Broadcast Centre. Normally, I talk to this man, uh, and we have done in the past, when we've been side-by-side on side broadcast GTS for Petit Morno, or one of the American IMSA racers. Paul Tracy is joining us. Paul, welcome to the... Repco Bathurst 12 Hours. Tell us about this, this the uh,
10: the story that of, of you getting to this race. Well, you know, I came in in '19 with Paul Paul Morris and uh, Keith Kasuki, and then loved it. Absolutely loved the track, loved the venue, loved coming over. I always loved coming to Australia to race on the Gold Coast, and I was dying to come back and then covid happened and there was really no opportunities and then i got asked to come back again this year and and just loving it this this track is just it's so epic it's so challenging it's one of those tracks and you know in the states some of the tracks we have in the states they're wore out the pavements wore out if you push hard it doesn't reward you lap time this track when you push to the limit it really rewards you lap time you had some good times up at the gold coast didn't you yeah you had a yeah. couple of great races there yeah no I, I love it down here and uh you know the, the field is super competitive and I, I can't believe that this is the first yellow we've had because the gt guys have been going at it you know when you compare it to daytona it was the first part of the race the first few hours was crash ridden and uh these guys are going at you know breakneck pace and uh, really no incidents with any of the GT cars, other than this GT4 car that, that just had an off on its own. So that was the, really the first yellow, which is a surprise. And it's back in and back out again. Uh, it's just got to the... Uh, laying down a bit of gravel
1: all over the place from the trap at the... the
10: mufflers top are loose, of the hill.
1: too. Yeah, that's going to need a bit of uh, major
10: action. This, uh, this, uh, you know how it goes. This yellows breed yellows, right? So this could shake things up. you got... You get these guys all lined up with fresh tires and a new driver and and uh you see the opportunity to make a move and these is when this is when they get racy. You're looking sharp again.
1: And yeah. you know, is this is this the start of you coming back and doing
10: some more endurance racing? I hope. I didn't lose all this weight for nothing. <laughs> it was a it was a lot of hard work. Well there's a car riding, of us here and riding bicycles. Can you, can you give yeah. us a little training plan? No, it's, uh it, you know, I got to a point there where I was just I wasn't happy with how I looked. My body was starting to hurt. My knees were hurting. My hips were hurting. And I was just carrying around too much weight. And I woke up on New Year's Day a year ago, and I said, that's it. I'm going to get back down to race shape and threw my leg over my bike and ride my bike every day, 30, 40 miles, and and go to the gym every day and watch what I eat and don't drink too much alcohol anymore. I saved that for Saturday night. Nice. And uh, I dropped like 45 pounds. So I'm not exactly at IndyCar weight what I used to be, but I'm pretty close. PT,
8: cool to see you here. I watched you race champ cars on the Gold Coast, which was awesome. That's what Aussie fans will probably know you most for. Just You clinched your 2003 Championship yeah. Cup at Surfers mm-hmm. Paradise. Just the fond memories of that event must still be pretty current, I imagine.
10: No, I, like I said, I've always loved coming to Australia. I have relatives here. I have some aunts and uncles that live on the Gold Coast. i uh, been here for you know 30 years and have some family here and have, uh, you know there's just the people have always been very kind to me and, and just love seeing me come down here so i always get a warm feeling when i'm here got a huge international audience uh, all the way through the week
1: actually because we had the additional coverage on on friday and saturday morning uh, i always get asked in the imsa paddock by drivers is it really as good as you make it out hind off? and i say no it's better talk Talk to that. Talk. Give give us a driver's eye view. I get to sit here and watch it and drive around at sixty k. Yeah, like you've been out there. Tell us about this.
10: You know, there's some really great tracks in America: Laguna Seca, Road America, Road Atlanta. Very challenging. But this this track is on just another level to that. I mean, I guess the only other place you could compare this to is like going to the Nurburgring, or going to Spa, or somewhere like that. It's just so it's so challenging, and there's blind corners, and they're all super fast super high commitment and, and like i said if you don't commit then you just you're just slow yeah and if and you really have to stick your neck out to get the lap time and that's where the, these guys that are the v8 guys that 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 do this race they're so good around here like brock Feeney and and these guys are just got a lot of experience and they just know all every inch of the track
1: and it's, we've got to remind people, this is a public road for the, the rest of the year when we're not racing either here at the Superfest or these these two weekends or a couple of other dates through the year. and so of course, the great race in October. So that means the road's got got yeah. a
10: camber on it. It's got a crown on the road. And that affects you as a racing driver much more than it does when you're a street driver. Yeah, not not too bad. It doesn't have a big crown. But some of the corners, like turn two, a little banked, and then you go up the hill, and it it's a bit of a bowl turn. So, you know, it's good from what i hear if it rains the the water runs off the track pretty well where whereas a lot of the tracks you go to you you get big puddles and rivers going across the track and that gets that gets real dangerous so um you know for a public road and having street cars drive on it there's amazing there's an amazing amount of grip in this in this surface the surface has really really got high grip Mm. Uh, Danny Studdard, Mac Twig, Jeff Emery,
8: three ripping guys that have been around our sport a long yeah. time. How have you found working with them and the IRC
10: team? Well, we're team we're team old guy over there, <laughs> so we're all in our fifties. Uh, Jeff started the race and he could said he got in, he couldn't see a thing. There was we didn't, you know, this is a the, the IRC car is a it's a, basically a club sprint car. And it's not really designed for endurance racing. So they put some little off-road headlights on it. And they said, oh, yeah, they'll be good enough. You just follow other cars and you'll be fine. I <laughs> oh, like right. Jeff got it. And he's like, I can't see anything. <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, he just struggled around there for a little bit till the sun came up. And, you know, we're in a situation where, you know, we've, we've got kind of sprint breaks. So we don't have enough break to go the full 12 hours unless we really take it easy. So it's a bit of a throwback. Uh, we've got to drive the car like Ford versus Ferrari movie. We've got to save the brakes for the end of the race or else we're going to be in big trouble. So we're just running at a pace, trying to stay out of trouble, knock lap times down where you're, not, where you're just comfortable and just let, let things play out. You're the Christian Bale character in that, aren't you? yeah.
8: Ford yeah. versus Ferrari, surely. Yeah, I'm not yeah. as good looking
1: as Christian <laughs> yeah. Bale. Well, you know, you've got your admirers, Peter. Yeah. So you always, always have had. All right, so if you're the Ken Miles, that's that really, that's good. So, are you? You're hoping for something in the class? It's quite a competitive little class, that invitational class.
10: In yeah, class. it is. I mean, you got some really fast guys in there as well. You've got Hill, and you've got Perkat, and. Mm you know, Slade, these guys are all veteran supercar guys. They're super quick. They're half half my age, per cat and hill. So, you know, and, and they're very quick guys. So, like, I can't expect myself to be at the pace that they are. But, you know, these cars are, like I said, they're not endurance cars. They're sprint cars. So the key is going to be getting to the end of the race running.
1: No waving coming from race control. So that was an interesting... uh, That is the Hollinger
8: car. uh, one of Paul's class rivals. That's the the Superglass Racing Matt Stone entry. So John Hollinger behind the wheel, 21st outright second in class, just behind Hadrian Morel. So lights out on the BMW XM safety car, and Ayanka Guven will lead the field back to green. He's got track position, and he's got a couple of lap cars between himself and Felipe Fraga, and...
10: That's key because you cannot overtake Paul until you get to the control yeah, line. Yeah, you got a couple of GT4 cars here right in the front of the group here in the mix. So that's going to make it frantic when they get up over the top of the hill and go across the mountain with the, with those guys in the mix. Remember the two BMWs sitting back there in the queue, the, the M-colored one, and the uh, Shell-colored
1: uh, machine. Those cars did come to pit lane. They gave up a tiny little track position and off for... One of the, that is the Merck GT4 car, isn't it? Locking up the right front there. That again, I think, was turning in on the grass, and now it's three wide, going up mountain straight. Just looking to see if all the Pirelli's have survived on that red GT4. I think they have the McLaren Artura, the WM West management car, right in the mix as well. Oh. It gets a big
10: hit from the 32 BMW. Vantor. With uh, Dries Vantor behind the wheel. Yeah, Vantor gave the. Uh gt4 car a little shot in the bumper there now it's going to get real tricky for all these guys going across the top with that mclaren right in the middle of the field one percenters can win or lose you this race here and a
8: drive-through penalty is coming the way of mercedes amg team grouper m for that infringement during the pit stop so we saw the rear wing adjustment while the refueling was occurring so they will have to serve a drive-through penalty so 33 seconds transit time. They are going to lose as a result of that. And imagine
1: if that had been called 10 minutes ago, that would have been negated with a safety car. So, you know, it is it is that snakes and ladders board that Lounsey had out the
10: other day. Yeah, no, those, are the, those are the little things, like those little mistakes. You beat yourself in a race. You make a mistake like that on the last pit stop, for that car with, with that Feeney's in it could cost you the race at the end of the race if you make, make a mistake like that.
1: You may notice that that isn't Garth Tander whose voice you just heard. Paul Tracy, PT, alongside us uh, having uh, making a second trip to the mountain on the restart. Uh, we've been talking about tyre warm-up as well, Paul. How's, how's that going and how does that affect, again, the strategy, whether
10: you change tyres or not? There's only... Twelve sets of tires through the race, in this or through the race weekend. Yeah, certainly the car, our, our tires, you can't double stint. They're a smaller tire. They're only a three, three fifteen, whereas the GT3 cars are a three twenty five tire, much much bigger tire, all around. But they're saying the GT3 cars, it's takes about 3 4 laps for them to get up to temperature in quality in quality light fuel but when you put a full load of fuel in you got more weight in the car it it drives a lot more heat into the tire a little bit quicker so you know the temperatures now are coming up it was cool this morning uh tires should come up a little bit quicker now that now that the temperatures are coming up getting racing again towards the sharp end of the field chris
1: higher uh, at the end of a group of cars that starts with the battle for, what, third, fourth, fifth and on down with the two BMWs, Marcello, Lello in the 46. when then Dries Vanto had that little moment in the 32. They are teammates, different colour cars. Then it's Brock Feeney, then Bastian Boos in the Porsche. Kenny Abul oh. doing his stint as
10: well. And that safety car, that's, he's burned to the side That's tight track. there, that's real tight. You had a look down there and that... You don't go through there too abreast, no way. How difficult is it when you've
8: got one of those GT3 cars that carry so much mid-corner through there when they get to you at McPhillamy
10: Park? Yeah, well, you can see now there's these guys, are, there's more urgency now. The first the first hour, these guys were running nose to tail and just kind of feeling it all out. And now you see these guys are starting to run a little harder, stick the nose in. And that's Alessio Picariello uh, at the head of that. Now, he's a lot off the lead, but uh, he's
1: right in the hunt of course for the pro-am category in fact he's leading his class sitting in 11th place but just off the lead lap by two or three cars that are ahead of him the bmw's wants to be coming through here because they want
10: to be up the road after the oh uh, the, a little the, loose yes wow yeah big step out lock the rears and the bmw is now going to make a lunge down into the last corner got To let him go here, Piccariello is not silly,
1: he knows that that's not his battle. Well, that's Rafael Marchiello, so he's going. Yeah, it's yeah. he's
8: committing down the inside. We've seen him do incredible things at this place. The sister car will follow it through with Dries Vantor 2018 winner. Uh, Philippe Fraga is going with Gouven for the lead three tenths. Remember, the Porsches have taken a little bit longer to get up to proper operating temperature with their Pirelli tyres, but with that looming drive-through penalty for 130 coming soon and they need to serve that within three laps of being notified with the black
10: flag i think frog has got to be the busiest guy in motor racing he's in gt3 cars he's in lmp2 cars he's in lmp3 cars he's in brazil stock cars (laughs) this guy's (laughs) all over the world every week there's plenty of endurance racing
1: to do you've obviously been keeping a close eye on the gt3s paul uh, what do you reckon to what
10: are those around here and maybe you doing some more driving yeah i mean I'd, I'd love to obviously there's uh very limited opportunity because there's only so many of these factory cars and they're all factory drivers but i mean if i ever got the chance i'd i'd love to do some some long races maybe daytona or a th- you know, third reserve driver or something. Here's Raffaele Marcello trying really hard at the Audi cooking and it's clipping the inside
1: wall there. Well, this is his first race as a BMW works driver. Maybe he just
10: hasn't judged the width of his
1: car. Did he
10: catch the wall there? Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, You've got to be so careful you don't knock the toe out, out or even break the toe link. You get up on top of the hill and, lo- and break a toe length, then you're a, you're basically a pinball bouncing off the walls all the way across the track. Mm. What's so, your driver rate now, Paul? Are what's you, that? Are you still a, are you still a gold? I'm a I'm a silver now. Uh, I I applied for a bronze because I just turned fifty five, and the FIA turned me down. They said try again next year. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, no wonder I can't get
1: a, a drive in bronze when Paul Tracy's likely to be there <laughs> as well. Oh, this is brilliant stuff. Just under nine hours to go here at the mountain.
10: All right, I'll head back down. I'll come back up and see you later.
1: Thank you, Paul okay. Tracy, for joining us. Okay. Great to have uh, PT and his insight with us. And very sharp intake, silver driver. I'm going to keep seeing that, Paul. But I, I want a piece of the action if you get a drive. <laughs> I'll
8: be your manager. It's just been suggested by Shay Adam, Corvette next year, apparently. Oh yeah, that Corvette. Happened. Yes, good points. Both members, uh, Shay's dad Bill and yeah. Paul, both members of the Canadian Motorsport Hall of Fame. Fame. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. I saw him drive a Lola Champ car for Forsyth Racing on the streets of the Gold Coast, and that was very spectacular. And Aussie fans will know Paul. He raced our own wheel power a lot in IndyCar racing right up to the end of his open
1: wheel career. Cool moment. And an accomplished broadcaster as well. Yeah, when I said he was next door to us, he was NBC network talent at, uh, at IMSA for a long time. He has absolutely worked to get himself back in the fitness, and he's taking this really, really seriously. Between he and Kenny Habool. <laughs> We're going to have to get on our cycles oh, again, aren't yeah, we, no, Too hard. Uh, so there's a bit going on there. So while all that was happening,
8: Philippe Fraga bought the 130 into pit lane, cruised through it's 345 metres at 40 kilometres an hour, so 33 seconds transit time disappears. For That team and we've talked about this for years that it can be the tiny little one percenters that can make or break Mm. this race that you know we've had four laps of safety car so far in three hours of motor racing so in long green flag runs if you throw 33 seconds away especially when the field is all compressed and locked up together like it was on a restart that can be massively damaging for your day. The other side of that is it's a long race, so you can get it back. But, man, it's
1: it's the last thing you need to be doing. And if you're watching online, uh, either here at the... If you've got the timing up online, either here at the track or further afield, remind yourself that that 1.30, that pit stop wasn't a pit stop. That was a drive-through. It'll still show us an extra number in the pit stop column. But make yourself a little note, because um, it's the sort of thing we forget later on and we'll need to, uh, for you to let us know. <laughs> All right. Good to be back in the Box One,
0: how good's Paul, Tracy? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Two, remember last year's race winner had a drive-through penalty. Yep. So it's nice and early. If you're going to have a penalty, have it in the first half of the race. Gives you plenty of time to fight back. So the 1.30 now finds itself... Roughly one minute off the lead of the race. So and, and people any time
1: to get back in the game. People were asking, "What was that penalty for? Are you not allowed to make error during the error changes during the race?" No, that's not the case. It was the fact that they were doing it while they were refueling, uh, while the, the horse was in the car. That's what grabbed them the penalty. Guven then, by about 3.3 seconds, that little scrap that was going on behind and getting past the GT4 cars has opened up a bit of a lead again for the young Turkish Porsche sensation, who's doing a brilliant job, double stinting the Pirellis and himself, and he's leading here and got clear track ahead of him. Beautiful day for him at the moment.
4: Supercar. 2024. A lot has been learnt, a lot has changed, and we've got a lot to look forward to. It starts with the Bathurst Superfest. Following the Bathurst 12-hour, it's time to kick off the new season at the thrifty Bathurst 500. Brace yourself for another great race, Australia, it is showtime! This year, a new champion will be crowned. Take your pick. It could be anyone's.
12: Who gets the job done today?
4: Ticket information can be found at supercars.com. Supercars, unforgettable.
8: It will be an unforgettable way to start the Repco Supercars Championship. It all starts next weekend, the thrifty Bathurst 500s. Head to supercars.com to get your tickets and get trackside and join the many people that will stay the week in this part of the world as part of the Bathurst Superfest. Lots to see and do in between the events, and then it all starts on track next Friday. All the coverage coming your way in Australia, but also around the world via Superview. Supercars.com has all the information. Uh, Changing of the guard again in the Supercars Championship. So looking forward to seeing how all of that plays out. We're 82 laps in to the Repco Bathurst 12-hour. We've been going three hours and eight minutes now. And the leader is Ayan Kanguvin. by 2.7 seconds, 49 laps. He's been in the car, 17 laps into this stint since pit stop. So there's been quite a few cars that have gone off-sequence that took the opportunity of that yellow to get uh, some service done so five cars including Raffaele, Marcello, Vantor Feeney, Ojeda and Harsa especially, all took the opportunity of a yellow to peel off into pit lane
5: uh, Will Brown, am I interrupting breakfast or morning tea here mate <laughs> yeah I think this one's morning tea, I had a bit of breakfast before the stint this morning now first stint as a Triple Eight race driver hey it was all happening there at the start amongst those BMWs, talk us through your first stint there
9: yeah, no, it was a fun first in. Obviously, the BMWs came out on cold tyres, but they've got pretty good straight lines, so couldn't get past them. But uh, yeah, I probably got to pick up a little bit of pace. Obviously, Brock's doing an awesome job now and some fast laps, so. Uh... Hopefully we can build into it throughout the day and uh, come home strong.
5: You didn't change tyres, you left Brock on your sort of lightly used ones. How's that going to play out through the day, managing the tyres, managing the driving time and all the stints? Yeah, I think it'll be good. Uh, we double-stinted the
9: first set of tyres and then um, I put a green set on and warmed them up for Brock, being the nice guy I am, and there he goes. So, um, yeah, no, nah, it, it'll be fine. I think uh, a few people double-stint tyres throughout the weekend, They uh, throughout the day. They seem to be uh, lasting pretty well.
5: This is only your second time in a GT3 car. We did it a couple of years ago. How is it driving these different cars, Mercedes, Porsche and whatnot?
9: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely different. I tell you what, it's a lot different to the supercar. So, uh, yeah, just trying to get used to that. It. But it's a long race and it'll, uh, it'll be a good one. Looks like we've got a spinner at Forest Elbow, so i will go
1: back to the commentators. Oh, no. This is not right good. in the middle of a BMW M Forest Elbow. And it's the Superbarn AMG car. This is the number 47 machine that's gone around. I don't think it's hit anything, Garth, and nobody hit it. Oh, no, apparently there has been a bit of a coming together with the triple one. Side by side. Oh, dear.
0: Oh, big contact on the inside wall for the triple one as well as they fight over the apex at Forest Elbow. So Theo Kunduras aboard the 47 Superbarn AMG Mercedes. And that was the triple one Mark Mustang that was involved in that one. Ryland Gray aboard that. So Gray's come to pit lane to, to check, but that was a heavy contact with the inside wall. The rest of the field getting around. So... Honduras did a nice job there to actually calmly get reverse gear and get out of the way and press on. So a bit of an oh, argument continued. over the apex. No, well, actually, that car had the least damage yeah.
1: coming out of it. So I don't, I, I don't think they had, had done anything wrong there. I mean, he's, he's, the, there's a little bit of room on the yeah. inside, but I'm not sure where Ryland thought he was going to go. At some stage, he's got to turn left into the corner. No harm, no foul for the Superbound car that continues up on Mountain Straight.
6: We might have the Pirelli Pit Bunker, but there are far more advanced technologies in the STM garage. This Mercedes team knows how to figure out strategy. Craig Lance, we've just established on the board what
2: everyone has done so far today. But how is the Mercedes? <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. We're just sort of moving cam along. We want to get to this 84 and we can shoot up to 98, get our lap back. That'd be really nice. Um, the car's OK. It's just a little bit twitchy uh, under brakes, and that's something we're trying to rectify as we do some running around uh, Thomas star of the race he said it was actually quite greasy this morning um cold conditions everything else so again just got to be careful we just stay out of trouble circulate around we're about five minutes short of the lucky dog so if, if something happens from now on we'll get our lap back which is really what we're looking for because we you know we, we know we've got a good consistent car maybe not a fast car but at least it's consistent
6: do you think as the day heats up, the Mercedes will continue to get better and better?
2: Well, I hope so. I think that this track will evolve definitely over the day, and uh, at the moment, it's got a bit of cloud cover, but if it does rubber up, it'll definitely help us, because the car is a little bit loose. So if if we can, um, that'd be really good, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Like, at the moment, Cam's in the car. Both Thomas and I have been saying the same thing about the car and the way we're ex- explaining it to the engineers. So as I said, we're chasing it a little bit, but hopefully it'll come to us later in the day. As far
6: as time out of the car goes, is there any better way to recuperate than have a smile and a laugh and to just enjoy yourself
2: well he, well we do as you said with the fun garage so thomas has been really the joker and of course he's he's got the the multi-spring so he's saying if we stretch it this way it's a softer version that's a harder version so yeah thomas is really the one that's <laughs> keeping us all amused at the moment we've got to do something
6: Well, yesterday we saw an on-track camber adjustment, as the team put it. Not from you guys, from a different team. I like the uh, movable spring movement too.
2: Yeah, yeah, we've got all that going on. And as we said, we've got the strategy board. We've got the wind, um, uh, weather station over there. It's it's not not spinning, so it's obviously very calm at the moment. So it's calm before the storm. (laughs) Good luck the rest of the way. Cheers.